Hi, this is Vanessa Sunshine. Hi, this is Alicia. Hi, I'm Georgia Love. I'm Osha Ginsberg. If you're listening to the sound of my voice, you are on the Bachelor of Hearts podcast. What do you do with an arts degree? I'm still not sure I know. I skipped three years worth of lectures just to binge watch awful shows. There must be some scholarship for accruing worthless knowledge. It's my only talent, honey. That and losing money. Let your excess hex debts rest and then just join us while we start. On our bachelor. Bachelor. Hello. Hello and welcome back to the Bachelor of Hearts podcast, the Bachelor Australia podcast that asks the question, why would you watch The Godfather when you can watch week four of The Bachelor Australia season nine and save three minutes? <laughs> Unless you watched it live on TV with commercials, in which case I do not know. Maybe like Gone with the Wind. I I, I don't know. We're, um, we're at Lord of the Rings movie marathon length here on the BOH pod. My name is Max Quinn. That's the name of me. Um, finishing off his fourth Starbucks gingerbread latte for the day is Xavier <laughs> Rebetsky Noonan. Hi, Xavier. Hello, glug glug, my friends. Welcome That's back to it. the pod. We are here for five hours of Bachelor. Pretty good. Uh, lots to discuss. We are going to need plenty of help. Plenty of caffeine from our friends at Starbucks, yeah. Yep. We brought in one of the heaviest hitters in all of podcasts to help us out, making her return to the BOH pod after a debut appearance that was described by fans on the internet as great and also so good. And also, <laughs> April, you were so great. But who are those two men? <laughs> They're right to say it. Listeners, please say a great big bachelor of hearts hello to the princess of Ramsey Street, queen of the IG carousel, your favorite neighbor, April Rose Pengilly is here. Hi, friend. Hello. Thank you for having me back. And congratulations on, I guess, being sponsored by Starbucks now. That's great. Yeah. We, yeah, it's uh, a big one for us. We've been sending some emails. Yeah, we're, we're very proud. We're very happy. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> the first thing that we want to say to you is just a huge thank you and also uh, an objective. You are insane for doing this with us. <laughs> yeah, it's true. You agreed to come on this episode before... Network 10 or the powers that be decided that it would be a triple shot, as our friends at Starbucks say. <laughs> I know, right? I did appreciate the warning you gave me because I hadn't caught up on the show yet. And you were like, do you still want to do it? And I was like, why? What's going on? You're like, because it's a bonanza of episodes. <laughs> yeah, I've, I frantically messaged you during the airing of episode eight or nine or whatever it was. And was just like, I don't know how to tell you this, but I'm still watching The Bachelor. It's nearly 10 p.m. Oh, gosh. We don't need this that is... in lockdown. It's too much. I feel it like is too much. I made a wish on a monkey's paw or something at some point. <laughs> like I was watching an episode of The Bachelor that was really good, and I was like, I wish this never had to end. And they were like, Oh, really? <laughs> You've doomed us all. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. This is like ten episodes worth of neighbors. <laughs> yeah, it <laughs> is. True. Far out. April, what's going on with you? And uh, what's going on with Chloe? What's going on with Chloe? Oh my goodness. I see we're out of sync with the UK now, so I'm sort of simultaneously trying to remember what we're filming now 
mm-hmm. um, with three months ahead, um, what is airing in Australia and what is airing in the UK. Mm-hmm. So I don't know what I can reveal without. I assume everything's trouble. chill, right? Everything's cool and oh, like yeah. calm, Why and wouldn't... everyone's just getting along. <laughs> <laughs> Why wouldn't you move to Ramsey Street? It's so idyllic and peaceful. Yeah, yeah. It's like no one ever cheats on anyone. Or... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like moving into the mansion of the Bachelor. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Mm. Um, I do want to say. Uh, one of your podcasts, you started calling him Swimmy Nicholson, and that's mm. all I can think of him as now. That is his name. <laughs> he's a fish. He's Swimmy Nicholson. I mean, he's in the water every episode or so, basically. So True. Stands to reason. Mm. Xavier, we do have some news to get to before we start with the episode recaps, um, which we will be keeping brief. Do you want to have a stab at this? Uh, yeah, thanks for that lead into our first story here. Uh, former Batchy star Paddy Collier was stabbed in mm. South Australia on Sunday. The, uh, the contestant from Ali Ogin's season of The Bachelorette and season two of Bachelor in Paradise was stabbed in the back. I shouldn't say it like it's a joke because he did <laughs> actually get stabbed. It's kind of, it quite, quite a bad thing to happen, honestly. Uh, mm. During an altercation with a male partygoer at a 60th birthday party in the early hours of August 8th. Paddy took to social media to show off his battle scar from a hospital bed, while Adelaide Now reported he stepped into an altercation between a man and a woman at the party. Talk about putting the, sh- the shiv in chivalry. <laughs> <laughs> we good? I enjoyed uh, that. I like um, that a lot. I may have something to add. Is he British? Is, yes. Am I, thinking? I think he's Irish, okay. maybe, yeah. So I was at a club with some girlfriends here a couple of months ago and he was there and he kept coming and trying to talk to us. And we, this is very special. We were given a special table and we had, um, I forget the name. We had like a host, a hostess who sort of looked after the table and poured our drinks and stuff. And at Mm. some point he asked her if she could order a cheese platter for us. For our table, <laughs> this wow. was at about eleven thirty p.m., which this is not is so good. in a club when it's not <laughs> not optimal cheese <laughs> cheese consumption and like super loud music and people dancing and stuff. And then she she's like, "Oh my god, he just offered to buy you guys a cheese platter," and we were like, "What?" And then we never got our cheese platter. Oh no! So <laughs> just the promise of it. Maybe like that's rats what he, in a maybe maze. he did. Yeah, maybe he did the same thing, and that's why he got stabbed. Yeah. I wonder. I wonder. Yeah. I, or I wonder if the likely. cheese platter comes with a knife, and this is like a long <laughs> game he's been working on for a long time. Listeners, we've had to interrupt recording for uh, internet-related reasons. I did have a joke that was cut off. Um, I just had no idea that Patty Collier was such a fan of the um, '90s singer Desiree. Oh, please tell me what this is about, Max. <laughs> what did Desiree do? Oh, knife. Oh, knife. Oh, my God. Oh, knife. He didn't choose to get stabbed. <laughs> He's not a fan of being stabbed. Oh, Patty is um, out of hospital, and according to a post on his Instagram, he's taking this as a reminder to grab life by the balls and make every day count. <laughs> we wish Patty well, and we hope he has a speedy recovery. Mm. 
News item number two. Do, 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 do. I don't, we don't have any kind of theme for this. We should probably should. In <laughs> the nature of this podcast, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. Down to Earth tomboy Jacinta Boys was eliminated in episode two of this season. Do you remember her at all? She was not really in much of this show. Nope. No. We didn't have much of a chance to learn what makes her tick. We don't. I mean, I could, you know, and, and until I was writing this story up, I w- maybe would have had trouble picking her out of a lineup. This week. Eagle-eyed cub reporter and past and future BOH guest Katie Kendall noticed mm. that her Instagram bio had changed back from the standard Warner Brothers slash Network 10 messaging that we have talked about uh, to include the following rainbow emoji, sapphic rainbow emoji. And in an interview with 10 Play, Jacinta reveals that she, quote, was cast on the wrong season after <gasps> learning that Brooke had been cast as the first pansexual bachelorette, she said, I was actually so devastated. It would have been an amazing thing to be part of the first queer bachelorette. I was like, fuck, I fucked up real bad, said the eliminated contestant. I feel like this story is worth noting for a couple of reasons. Firstly, Mm. I think just because we never got to learn anything about Jacinta from the show. She was on like one group date and then she got eliminated. And I feel like we would have been way more in her court and more interested in her had we realized this or anything about her. But also, we have speculated a little bit about how producers might use their control over the contestant's social media to reinforce the narratives that they're given on the show or the personalities that they're trying to uh, put forward as their most you know, uh, important personality aspects. I feel like this is a bit of an interesting example of that. Not that we're necessarily privy to this information about Jacinta, nor should anybody's sexuality be a matter of public record unless they want it to be. But it makes me extra curious, I guess, about what the other Instagram bios might be hiding as we progress throughout the season and more of them uh, become uncovered. What do you guys think? Well, I think maybe, like, we don't know if she disclosed her orientation to producers and presumably she put herself forward for this season knowing yeah. it was a, a male um, a dude, bachelor. Yeah. So yeah. we don't know. Yeah. She said that, in that interview um, that she was like, she was nominated by her family or her family were pushing her to go on the show. I guess maybe the implication is that her family may be new, but I guess, yeah, we're reading a little too much into it potentially. Anyway, she sounds like right a good one to be on bachelor in paradise though. If we ever get that back. Very, definitely very true. And, I'm uh, excited for um I'm excited for the headline, or in fact just to drop this pun on the pod, well, uh, the episode was just scintillating. Let's continue. Mm. <laughs> God, I wish the TV show The Bachelor gave us an opportunity to make that pun while she was mm. still there. Rude. All right, uh, we had better get into it because there was a lot of television on the television this week. Uh, <laughs> I mean, this isn't one of our news stories, but they did they did a lot. They there was a lot of it. What the fuck? There sure was so much of it. Yeah. Uh, a lot this of is, things were done. Yes. <laughs> this is the first time this has happened, I think, since season one, episode one, unless there, I, I, I'm actually, there's some conflicting reports about it. This may have never happened before. Two episodes were broadcast in one night, and uh, it was uh, hectic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, look, and we can get to our suspicions on uh, why that might be the case uh, a little bit later as, as we move through somewhere in between the end of the second episode when sadly Sierra leaves and the start of the third episode with Laura's single date might be a might be a good place to stop down and talk yeah. about that but for now 
We begin with our recap of The Bachelor Australia Season 9, Episode 7. And it starts with an intruder, Tiffany, a pinnacle of German manufacturing who (laughs) seems to really have captured Jimmy's affection. Tiffany is 28,000 kilometers, works on the roads, and describes her perfect man as, I am inanimate, stop this. So she's a motorbike that Jimmy built himself, and we get all of these like long shots of longing and uh, Jimmy like touching up his bike or whatever yeah. and strapping <laughs> strapping on the speed bag might be a good way to put this. I think so. <laughs> I don't know exactly what that parlance. is, but I think it's definitely yeah. right. <laughs> we also hear these like deeply dramatic uh, like Jaws like strings as Jimmy hits unprecedented velocities for a man who is literally backing his motorbike out of the garage and driving away. It's very serious, isn't it? (laughs) He arrives at the mansion to pick up Lily, the crane woman, for a single date that Jimmy promises in monotone will be a bit of an action-packed day. I can't wait for one of those. (laughs) Something new and different. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) There's something in store for the other women as well. Jimmy's sister, Tani, and his cousin, Melissa, will be entering the mansion to compete for his love as well. (laughs) No, they're here to interrogate the women over dinner. The time-honoured, shit-stirring, much-loved, anonymous question containing Honesty Box will be making its return to the Bachelor Mansion, and Jimmy explains in somehow as much monotone that his family lunches and dinners are, quote, quite interesting, to say the least. (laughs) Expect... Some pretty interesting conversations, at which point I did express ship just on all of our behalf, a thesaurus to the batch pad, and Jimmy said that he found it quite interesting. (laughs) He didn't crack that thing open at all, did he? (laughs) (laughs) We will get to all of that drama soon, but first, beach day. So we get a recap montage to remind us who Lily is, because the show has pretty much left her out of proceeding since the second episode before we then arrive at Bilgola Beach in Avalon, which you might recognize as the same Bilgola Beach in Avalon from the last episode of this very same show. Max, I wrote this exact same note, which is that I went on Google Maps and I was like, hmm, that's a three-minute drive (laughs) from where the episode five group date was, which incidentally is the last time that Jimmy and Lily saw one another. (laughs) do you think they just like did some tv magic like we do on neighbors when you have to film scenes on the one location you just do them all in one day even though they Mm. might air in a bunch of different episodes did they just get everything on bill gola beach done in one day yeah (laughs) we are surely shooting out of order why bother driving back to the mansion and then driving back out exactly It's a surfing date. There uh, is some very light banter here about Jimmy getting down on one knee and trying to attach a leg strap to Lily and Lily saying, at least buy me dinner first, but it's all right. And how he and Lily definitely have chemistry. I mean, we're learning a lot about chemistry in this scene because Jimmy's saying that he and Lily definitely have it. But unless they're being physically intimate, at least at the start of this date, I was really struggling to see it. Um, And so I wonder, like, April, you've had television relationships. How do you show chemistry rather than, like, telling chemistry? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, 
it's very it's a very difficult intangible thing I like with neighbors we shoot so quickly and so I think we all kind of just have little quick ways to to get into it and fake it I mean you can sometimes like imagine it's your real life partner or someone you have a crush on or things Mm -hmm. like that but um I agree that the chemistry was not really evident um and I was also worried that it was freezing cold do we know when they filmed this oh my god yeah that's a great point we're looking at what March April yeah I don't want to be going in those waters Yeah, I thought this was strange because, like, we do gradually, eventually, we get to a batchy couch situation, but there is a portion of this date where they're just sitting on the sand in, like, the wet, wet mud. Yeah. It feels feels like they deserve a little better at this point, you know? (laughs) Yeah, it's not my idea of a good date. And I also, did you notice when they were in the water and he was like, oh, let's ditch the board, and then they just let the board... Go. I know. Just be free into the sea. A sea turtle could swallow that. <laughs> it's yeah. true. It's yeah, going to like be with just... his dog who vanished and was never seen again, right? A couple of episodes <laughs> ago. That very same board. Yeah. Props to Lily for being good at surfing immediately. Jimmy says in confessional that if he were to be brutally honest, he was kind of hoping that Lily would struggle with this so that he could look like <laughs> a bit of a hero. <laughs> This is some classic Bachelor stuff. I do think yeah. it is it is a smart strategic play from Lily to pretend that she has never surfed before when evidently she is like a gold medal winning surfer in disguise <laughs> who's making the most of it on this day. I know it's like the premise of the show, but I just feel so uncomfortable. Like the date format is always like, well, can she pass his test? Will she seem right. enthusiastic yeah. enough about this horrible thing he's making her do? <laughs> like, like the fear people have the fear of heights or all these kind of things. And yeah, oh. yeah, yeah, totally. We'll get to that with Carly in the next episode. I want to assume good intent with Jimmy. So, like thinking about it, I was like, maybe what's implied is that he wants to look like a hero in Lily's eyes, maybe rather than on television. Sure. Yeah. Um, oh, that's what like, I thought he line. meant. Yeah. 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 He continues in voiceover to say, I feel like Lily is the kind of girl who will give anything a go, which we know for certain because literally not two minutes earlier, we hear Lily say to Jimmy, I'll give anything a go. <laughs> I missed that. That's wonderful. <laughs> and it's now that we're giving something else a go. Kissing. While the Channel 10 longboard does indeed flail in the shallow water. And they're really going for it. This feels like chemistry and it looks like chemistry. And then Lily in voiceover says, Jimmy just brings something out of me. My dad's going to kill me. And it's cute and sweet. And then also in voiceover, we hear Jimmy say, Lily has this way of getting my attention. I think the the secret that Lily has, the secret way of getting his attention is looking good in a bikini and, you know, being young and beautiful and looking like a young Glenn Close, right? Young Glenn Close? Look at their faces side by side, I'm telling you. Yeah, I know what you mean now. I'm thinking about it. Oh, wow. This is... Yeah. Yeah. Listeners, we're going to post this in the Bachelor of Hearts Osh posting group. (laughs) 
It's a face shape thing. It's almost yeah. intangible. Yeah, it's like the the shape of the of the chin and the way that the nose bridges out in a certain way. Um, mm. Good spot, Xavier. Well done. Next, we are on shore for a cuddle. And Jimmy is opening up to Lily about his family life on the northern beaches. He gestures to this beach that's over yonder and says, My nan had three heart attacks on that beach. Which, stop going to that beach. There's clearly something wrong. Get out of there. It's like everyone coming to Erinsborough. Why would you keep going there? <laughs> <laughs> Just go to the pool or something. <laughs> Can you imagine being her family? And getting the third phone call about that. Like, oh, it would yes. be a boy who cried wolf situation. You wouldn't, wouldn't believe it, it would you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, right. It happened again. Sure. <laughs> okay, Grandma. Mm. <laughs> do you guys, guys want to have a heart attack real quick? Because I looked up the median house price of uh, houses in Newport Beach. Oh, Jesus. Two and a half million. Hmm. Xavier, we are going to have to like double our income from the pod to be able to afford one of those each. <laughs> I was just thinking, that's approximately two and a half million more dollars than I have. <laughs> we hear from Lily that she loves that Jimmy comes from a stable background because she doesn't really come from one. And I did feel a bit charmed here. I started to, to get on board with Lily um, as she's sort of warming up to Jimmy uh, telling these stories about his family on the beach. Like, it's almost like that they have forgotten that the cameras are there for a minute. And it's a thread that I want to tug at uh, a little bit later when the cameras definitely aren't there and we see some IRL Jimmy interaction. But I'm curious, mm -hmm. April, like, to what extent you might be aware of the cameras when you're filming Neighbours and how, like, how your awareness of them fits the way that you do your job. It's definitely something uh, that is daunting to begin with, especially like coming into a show like Neighbours. Obviously, I had prior acting experience, but mm. we move so quickly and a new person coming in is expected to just jump on board right away and, and right. we don't have time, to, you know, for anything. And all of the other actors who've been there for ages will, and now I'm like that as well, we um, are able to kind of have this dual focus of what we're doing in the scene and our lines and what we have to, you know, all of that emotional side. And then the other side of you is going, okay, the camera's there. So I'll put my face on this angle and I have to make sure I hit that mark there. And I have to do, the, uh -huh. you know, all that kind of thing. Yeah. And oh, and yeah. they told me to lift my vocal level on this line. And, and it's like all of that happening at once. So it's, yeah, it takes a lot of practice to, um, to be able to do it. And it's uh, very like, uh, very draining. <laughs> yeah. Um, mm. And I can imagine mm. for these women, it's all a bit of a new experience. Uh, totally. All of that stuff. And it's probably, Absolutely. they're probably being told all the time not to look down the barrel of the camera because it's kind mm. of, when you're new to it, you're like, oh, what is that there? Yeah. It's such a habit you have to try and break. Mm. Yeah. Um, you know, I kind of compare it in that sense, maybe to like radio broadcasting where I might be talking to you and having some thoughts about the song that you might've just heard, but Underneath what I might be doing is pressing a bunch of buttons, looking at some levels, making sure that um, I have my forward cell for the next thing lined up, whatever it might happen to be. Yeah. Or uh, have you seen um, the newsroom? Uh, yeah, totally. Like, or how they do that with like anchors. They're telling them mm -hmm. something while they're reading the prompter. They're getting all this yeah. new information and they're going, don't react, but I'm going to tell you this shocking thing. And they're sort of just doing both at once and yeah. keeping yeah. this stoic expression. It's crazy to me. 
But I suppose, yeah, I, yeah, like you say, you do a version of it, I do a version of it. So it's just kind of practice. Mm-mm. Um, suddenly it's the evening and Jimmy and Lily are all dolled up for a beautiful little beach bonfire. I didn't feel this the first time, but on my rewatch, this is where my really, like my empathy bones started to ache a little bit for Lily, who says that she's mm. never been on a date before. She doesn't really get close to a lot of people. We hear her talk about her parents' separation and how now she's feeling really special about what's happening with Jimmy. She says to Jimmy, I've never felt something like this ever. And Jimmy says, yeah, it's a big thing taking someone on their first ride. (laughs) (laughs) Is that what he said? (laughs) It strikes me that he could be talking about Lily or the bike here. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) He does get there, though. He says to Lily that this is big for him, too, taking someone back to where he grew up. And she says that that makes her feel really sentimental. And even though Jimmy is wearing this objectively awful frill neck lizard polo jumper did you see this <laughs> no i didn't notice but i'm gonna have to go back now it's you alerted me to this it's really quite bad it's just this, i don't i don't understand who's dressing him uh, it's got like a wooden zip on it uh, oh. she's able to get past it his outfits aren't great overall they're not mm. you know the no. best thing that he's worn in these like nine episodes is the peach tank top that he wears in the next episode while they're playing tennis and it's because, like, we get to see his, like, ripped arms or whatever. Mm. Yeah, show off the guns. Right, exactly. Show, yeah. Like, show it off if you've got it, Jimmy. Right, he's an objectively hot man, and the, they're, they're fumbling the ball a little bit yeah. with the outfits. We're putting too many coats on this man. He doesn't, he doesn't need them. <laughs> you just reminded me, just quickly, my mum, before the season started airing, she was like, what about that new pilot bachelor boy? Why don't you go out with him? And I was like, Mum, do you understand the premise of the show? <laughs> the reason you know who this man is is because he has found love. <laughs> yeah, he's spoken for. Yeah. We're aware of who this man is. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Actually have really started to come around to Lily here. She seems really well put together for 23 years old. Jimmy talks about how mature she is. And by the end of the date, I think that I am buying the chemistry between them way more. I can definitely sense it growing over the course of this date. I do think, like, you know, there's a lot of conversation here about how even though she's 23, she is one of the more mature people in the house. And I I agree that she is very mature for 23, but I don't know. I just, there's something about this that maybe I feel a little wary about. She She says, like, now that she's put a lot of time into becoming financially independent, she's really happy with where her career is and stuff like that. And, mm. like... Maybe I'm just drawing from my own experience. I was 23 years old when we started this podcast (laughs) and my life was a fucking mess. (laughs) And it's taken me five years to... uh, Well, I guess... Okay, never mind. Next topic. (laughs) Yeah, she is definitely in the minority having everything together at 23. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But also I think about like, she is a crane operator, right? Mm. And I feel like that means she works in a very male dominated space. And I feel like um, that feels like something that would uh, really, it's like a trial by fire almost like uh, every day that she spends at work operating heavy machinery around a bunch of dudes. Like I can imagine that toughening you up to a degree. Yeah, yeah, I can hear that. And probably also there's some pressure there to um, to become like one of the boys or whatever. Mm. Um, it's now time for the honesty box. There's a little bit of scene setting. We hear from someone called Rebecca for the first time in seven episodes. 
<laughs> I honestly, I had no idea she was still on the show. I thought that she got the boot in week one. And I do just want to preface this next little bit by saying that I fucking loved Jimmy's sister through this whole episode. Like, yeah. I thought she was so astute and level-headed. And we hear from Holly at one point, who really seems worried that Tani is going to psychoanalyze her. And look, we'll see what happens. Because... Uh, it sure is time for Stephanie in confessional to reveal that the target of the box is Holly. It might as well be titled Holly Sucks. <laughs> what if they brought out a box that said Holly Sucks? <laughs> <laughs> they all gather around the dinner table. Awful. Uh, it is interesting to note here, though, that the few, the first few questions are actually directed to Steph. So maybe there might be a separate Stephanie Sucks faction in the house. It's like a it's a box that is divided into like a packet of nerds. <laughs> <laughs> so she's asked, "Have you ever cheated?" And she says, "Big fat no." And then, "Would you move for your partner?" And she says, "Hard no." And has your past experience with pilots changed how you feel about Jimmy? And in voiceover, we hear her say, "I'm sick of talking about pilots." I never want to hear about another pilot as long as I live. Sorry, Jimmy, change professions. Xavier, is it clearer to you where she stands on pilots? I mean, <laughs> yeah. What, what this is, is more evidence back in the other direction. I feel like there's a real push and pull going on here. Yeah. Have you noticed this, April? The pendulum swing of Steph being like, I've got a pilot fetish. Fuck pilots. Yeah, but I also kind of, you know, having watched now eight slash nine episodes of this show... I kind of agree with her. I am too. I'm sick of hearing about pilots and various flight-related jokes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it must be agony for her to watch this back and be like, oh, not again. Not another yeah. one. <laughs> Thought I moved past this. <laughs> the next question is the big one. It is directed to the Batch Girls. Sierra pulls the card out of the box, and there's actually quite a lot of text on it. Xavier, did you catch this? <laughs> Uh, what was it? It was like... So it says... Like, I, Sierra pulls this out of the box and she says, I've had feelings for Eleanor that I've actually never felt for anyone in my life. <laughs> she gave me butterflies every morning when I saw her. I'd be talking to her and I would be busting to go to the toilet and I would rather piss my pants and sit there and talk to her than go to the toilet. <laughs> I didn't see it coming. Uh, we need a name. It's like Rick Rolled. Like yeah, a... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're so right. Yeah, you're like you're getting Doraned here. Yeah, yeah. That I think that's it. I'll workshop it. I'll come up with something. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Jamie jacked? No. Jamie jacked. Jamie jacked is, is really... okay. That's fine. I like that. Yeah. Like hijacked. Yeah. I was thinking like yeah, yeah. Pee pants. <laughs> it's no good. I like yours. Yeah. Um, the the real question, the big question is, do you think some people change in front of Jimmy and the camera? And uh, to be honest with you, the cameras are around the whole time. So if you have to get changed, I suppose that... <laughs> you don't have much choice. Yeah, you probably don't have much choice at all. Did you spot this? I noticed on the card, not that it matters, but Jimmy is spelt J-I-M-M-I Ooh. on that card. No, I haven't. I haven't seen so this. So I don't know what that whether that means that like maybe that's how his family spells his name and one of them wrote it or whether that means one of the other women has never seen his name written down. That that feels believable as well. I couldn't form a hypothesis about it, but I was interested. 
Is it in any of the, um, like, the Channel 10 literature about it's with a Y, right? <laughs> yeah, it's He's always y. written it with a yeah. Y. Yeah. Yes, yeah. I don't care for that I at all. Not at all. <laughs> no. No. Um, did it have there's a... There's no I in Jimmy, <laughs> apart from the I. <laughs> right. There's only, there's only one. Episode title. <laughs> sure. So Carly gives the first answer, which is the true and correct answer. She says, uh, yes. It's natural that we're more vocal and more present when we're on camera. Makes sense, right? Right. She's basically like, yeah, no shit. Obviously. (laughs) But the drama really starts when Steph puts Tatum up to call out Holly for being fake. So we hear Steph say, go on, you do it. And then in voiceover, I wasn't going to do it. I'll send one of my people in to take the collateral. And... I think the best way to explain what happens next is to let you hear it for yourself, listeners. And by that, I mean, it's time for a dramatic reenactment. Oh, good. So what I have is the script here. Um, We need a Steph, (laughs) uh, we need a Tatum, and we need a Holly. April, who would you like to be? I don't mind. I'm happy to be cast as you see fit. Okay, excellent. Well, how would you feel about being... Actually, do you know what? You'll have to do the heavy lifting. You you will do Tatum, if that's fine. (laughs) Right. <laughs> As the person with the most experience, it feels only right. Yeah. No pressure. Um, and Xavier, do you want to be our um, sullen, morose Holly? Yeah, sure. I'm known for being sullen and morose. <laughs> I think our listeners will bear that out for sure. Okay, great. So I'm sharing my screen now. You'll see that this um, is an original production called Conflict at the Dinner Party, a short play by Max Quinn 2021. <laughs> mm-hmm. Are you not at all concerned about some uh, uh, accusations that you might have plagiarized some of this dialogue? No, none of this. Act one, okay. scene one, there is a conflict at the dinner party between Tatum, Holly, and Steph. Tatum. I, I love that this is on Goldenrod. <laughs> <laughs> so it's not a coma dream. <laughs> right. <exactly. laughs> coma fantasy, sorry. Great. I think this is an interesting one and probably going to step on some toes, but Holly, I feel you are quite different behind closed doors. And then when Jimmy's around, I feel like you're a different version. In what way? There are some times when we've been talking and you have just cut over the top of me. It offends me. Behind closed doors, I feel like you haven't been that nice. And then when Jimmy is here, you're wanting to be the center of attention and front and center. So yeah, I kind of thought, are you here for the right reasons? Sorry to interject, but I don't think that I see the side of Holly that Jimmy sees. Oh, it's absolutely mind-boggling to see how different she is behind closed doors. It's strange. And having that question in the box, I thought that was a perfect opportunity to raise it because it has bothered me a lot and makes me feel uncomfortable. It's interesting that you're saying that because I actually don't think I've had a conversation with you in the house. Yeah, but... Can I just talk, if possible, because I did let you speak. I haven't spoken to you. I don't know you. Am I here for the right reasons? Abs- absolutely. You know? That has never wavered for me. So that is a bit of character assassination. And you have never had a chat to me about my past relationships. Anything. You've never had a chat to me about why I'm here. Yeah, because I do feel really judged by you and... Okay, I do feel like you've made your point. Are we able to move on? Isn't that a bit of a contradiction? Like, it's a juxtaposition with what happened between you and I at the cocktail party the other week. Because you were happy to sit down in a group of people and put me on blast. I'm a bit confused. I think calling someone a C-word on national television is a little bit of a different thing. And I wanted to nip that in the butt instantly. 
If that's your response to downplay the situation and try to make me look like the bad guy, then sure. I'm just confused about all this where, yeah. We also hear from Carly in here and she says, uh, I 1000% disagree with you. Holly is nothing but kind and fun. And what happens next is that Holly storms off. And in voiceover, we see Steph do the um, Mr. Burns tentacled fingers and say, excellent work. By the way, excellent work to both of you on that impromptu acting challenge. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Mm-hmm. Um, the um, Let's talk about Steph to start with, because she's the clear villain here. How are we feeling about her? Is there anything that is, is jumping out? Like, I don't know. Maybe it's a little bit later on, but she's talking to uh, one of Jimmy's relatives and it comes mm. out that she's been cheated on. And somehow that's like a problem. Like it's her fault. Like <laughs> yeah. she didn't mm. ask yeah. for that. Mm. I know. Yeah. Mm. I, yeah, I sort of like this, this part to Steph where I re- resonate with and I'm like, you are playing the villain character and to a certain extent, well, I mean, we'll talk about this a bit more later, but I think that Steph is a really viable villain, maybe more so than anyone since like Lorena because she could actually be a romantic threat to the other women in the competition. Mm. You know, if you think mm. back and you look at like Ariba or I don't know, Zoe Claire, whoever you want to flag as Roxy villains from last season, none of them we really were taking that seriously as like romantic competitors. Never fully like it looked like it was going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. But with Steph, it feels a little bit different. I wonder, mm. do you think that Tatum did the wrong thing here? Did Was she out of line in any way? Like it presents as a pretty clear ambush of of holly in some ways in front of jimmy's family but i can also Mm. see like the double standard that they might be feeling like tatum's like you interrupt me and i don't like it and then holly interrupts her twice and (laughs) the double standard that steph points out where you know probably she doesn't have the best intention but it's still valid and for me that makes holly a really complex character you know she goes on to say through tears to the producers it's just brutal I've never had a conversation with Tatum in my life, so I don't know where that's coming from. And I'm sitting there starting to think like, babes, I do. Like, you've never had a conversation with her in in your life and you've lived with her for a month, you know? Yeah, that's a problem. That's true. But I do think that Holly is the overall, like, winner, if we're to boil it down to that. Oh, really? In the sense that, like, well, yeah. I think think she... I I mean, I don't... I guess I'm using the word winner in, in the sense that, like, this is this looks good for her on a show level. Like she, you know, because she goes behind the scenes and vents to this handler and she's crying and she says, like, at the end of the day, I'm here for him. And for that to be said in front of his family, like that's impacting on my relationship with him. I feel like that just makes her look so there for the right reasons. And like, you know, you know, she she comes out of this as the uh, righteously wronged person. I suppose so. I felt super differently. Where did you where did you land on this, April? I don't know. It was all very confusing and there was a lot of <laughs> yeah, <laughs> a lot of yeah. accusations being thrown around. <laughs> right. Right. So the way that we try to get to the bottom of it is that Tani and Melissa take some of the women away. So we see Tani speak to Brooke and Jay, and it's clear that Tani likes them the best out of all the girls. And then she brings Holly over to sort of give her the right of reply. And they sit down and Holly starts crying. And she says this, she says, I've never had a falling out. Like I've had one big falling out with my father and that's basically it. 
in my entire life, the fights I've had with my girlfriends are with my best girlfriends that I've had since preschool. And it's over stupid, trivial things. And the commentary about me cutting people off or being standoffish is from people in the house who I don't know very well. And I don't go out of my way to talk to people that I don't. Hmm. Now, does it occur to anyone else that Holly, who was pretty scared of being psychoanalyzed, has just handed herself on a platter oh, to yeah. Tani? Yeah. She's like... This was this is wild. Because, I mean, obviously, having Tani, you know, having the bachelor's sister be a, a psychologist is an incredible asset oh. to this program. And um, I feel like through what we saw when Holly left and sort of vented and uh, pulled tears for, for, you know, talking to her handler, this has opened her up. And so now everything that happens from this point, you know, she is primed for it and she wants to keep going with this. Like, I think she can see that it's, this is a vulnerability that's coming out. That's really interesting. I don't know if like what my reading of it, and I think maybe Tani's reading of it might've been a little bit different where Holly was sort of like, you know, hi, here I am still friends with everyone that I know from preschool got a lot of weird shit with my dad haven't made an effort to talk to anyone that i'm not interested in um but everyone who loves me says that i'm the best person alive so like i don't know (laughs) Mm. i see what you mean it's true yeah yeah Yeah. um and so tani says well firstly maybe the girls who you haven't made an effort for don't feel like you're inclusive of them and also probably you should ask people about themselves because it makes them feel included and also the way that you cope with conflict is not really much chop is it are we going to run, run away and cry for the rest of our lives? Is that what's going to happen here, Holly? Mm-hmm. April, what do you think about asking people so that you include them in the conversation? <laughs> 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 well, I just was going to say, it was Steph who called someone the C word, right? And then, like, yes. gaslit everyone yes. and denied ever saying it when there was a camera there. A hundred percent. Yes. Yeah. 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 Um, we're going to see so much more of that uh, a little bit later as well. The mm. next thing that happens is that Tani articulates what she's just experienced to the camera. I just think it's so beautiful. She says, I do think that Holly is here for Jimmy, but in a partner, you want someone who's going to make the people around you feel loved as well, and not just the people that they want to like them. Oh, good. Couldn't get enough of that. Um, mm. uh, next, Lisa. We got her name wrong. Next, Melissa takes Steph away, and there's not much new here other than to note that Steph throws Jay under the bus for not wanting to have kids, which is the opposite of what she's told Jimmy, and that Brooke is allegedly codependent in relationships. So those things are more important later, but for now, we Mm. need to move on. So Jimmy returns to the mansion to get the good word from Melissa and Tani. Tani says that her faves are Brooke and Jay and goes on to express doubts about Holly, relaying the other women's concerns and going as far as to say, I don't think it would work long-term because I don't think you could resolve conflict. Can you imagine Mm. if Holly wins the amount of conflict resolution that she is going to have to do with Tani over this? (laughs) That is true. (laughs) Especially even if she doesn't win, but if she gets to hometowns or or whatever we have in, in place of them, you know, the family visit or whatever. Yeah, yeah. April, at which point in the dating process do you bring your mum in to vet your potential partner? <laughs> um, pretty much day one. Mom, my mum is my chaperone mm. on all dates. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Me too. Like Britney Spears, I bring my mum to every <laughs> event. Um, 
Um, but I was going to say as well, uh, I love that they, like, they had the secret sort of, uh, like, they pretended they'd cut and then they had yeah. the footage of him speaking mm. with them. And I feel like they're doing a lot more of that kind of BTS stuff this season, which I am here for. Like, I love Definitely. when you see a producer, like, frantically chasing someone or you hear them in the voxies and all that kind of thing. And, like, even with... um. Yeah. The mums, like you mentioned in the next episode, when Jimmy and Osha were talking away and Osha was like, oh, wasn't that lovely? And, and Jimmy was like, oh, it was making yeah, totally. me tear up. But like those little yeah, behind-the-scenes yeah. moments, I'm like, yes. That's probably my favourite part of these episodes. We'll, we'll talk about it a bit more when it comes up. But yeah, I did find this this part where a producer says that they have stopped shooting and then they keep rolling. Um, very interesting. Um, being the most annoying person on this podcast, I did notice that we are hearing the audio of a discussion which we can't see and it's like artfully blurred and I looked back on it a few times because I am in lockdown. The audio doesn't match up to the way their mouths are moving. It doesn't actually really matter that much. We should just talk about the text as it's handed to us. Um, but there's there's some there's some strings being pulled here. Anyway. So yeah, the text as it's handed to us uh, is four words long. He says, yeah, so it's Brooke. Um <laughs> Right, yeah, they're like, you know... F- well, interestingly, the first thing that he quote-unquote says <laughs> uh, is that it's easy for him to forget that there are cameras on him and to be real with the women, Fully. which I think is kind of kind of interesting in this circumstance. Um, and then, yeah, if there was an order, um, Brooke would be the top frontrunner, which I feel like, and I, I know I'm being annoying here, but I feel like that was placed in to make the fact that she leaves more impactful. I agree. I'm sure that was the intention behind it. Mm. I don't have a problem with that. Like that makes the show better because the stakes are higher and you feel her departure more. But uh, yeah, worth noting. So the next thing is that um, we get a bit more of a warning about Steph, and then this scene where we see like essentially product placement. Steph is driving oh over <laughs> to the batch pad. We think to get dumped. Like that's what the show wants us to think. She punches in batch pad into the sat nav. <laughs> <laughs> That belongs in some sort of Bachelor rap, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, they should do a new version at the end of the race. Right, right. Um, yeah, look, instead, it's some date that they don't even bother to show us, which is the first this time... This is insane. Yeah, I don't yeah. understand it. It's the first of two times in this episode where we hear about something hypothetically interesting going on, but the show elects not to present it to us. It is so weird. So Jimmy makes a delicious Starbucks coffee pod, which I will say is my favorite part of this episode. And I want to say a big thank you and shout out to our friends at Starbucks for, uh, for including this. Um, and, you know, in voiceover, Jimmy says like, oh, I'm concerned that Steph just tells me what, what, what I want to hear or whatever. And then we just cut to commercial and we never, we never speak of what happened here again. It feels like a mistake, like an actual error, like a blunder happened here. Right, right. Um, and the next thing happens at the cocktail party and we do need to give a quick shout out to Sierra, who in this episode is thrilled with the way that she looks, and rightfully so. The yellow dress that she is wearing is gorge. The way she keeps bringing in every conversation that she's having back to how hot she looks is yeah, hilarious. Like, I'm not worried about the drama. I'm looking good. I'm like, <laughs> get it, Swepo. Why not? Yeah, this is this is a winner. We love her. I love um, her. Jimmy, she's hilarious. Isn't she good? Jimmy takes Holly aside first um, while they're having the requisite conversation about what happened at the dinner party. 
all of the other women are listening in so hard while trying also <laughs> to act natural, which I think is my favorite bachelor mm-hmm. oxymoron. <laughs> True. Oh, I love this bit though. This is great. It's great. They're all just like, they're all like whispering, and then they're like, no, the whispering is even too loud. Like, <laughs> dropping. Stop this. <laughs> April, how did they go at acting natural? I think they were, they actually did very well. So one of our most hated things to do is when we're in the background of a scene and we have to mm. do what our extras do all the time, which is like pretend to have a conversation. So like mm. yeah. I can't lip read and you're not allowed to make any sound and like all our extras do such a good job. Whenever we have to do it, we all hate it and we all fight to get our back turned toward the camera so we actually don't have to do any of the fake talking. <laughs> um, so it's difficult. I think they did a pretty good job. Yeah. Oh, this is dynamite. I, I love this. <laughs> it was great. And the way that they like keep cutting back to Laura and Sierra miming <laughs> conversation is so funny as Jimmy is talking about how he like appreciates that Holly might have taken this feedback on board and it's cool that she wasn't defensive about it. And then they cut to, yeah, Steph and Sierra and they're like, fucking shut up, shut up. (laughs) This is, I think, one of the most underrated elements of a player of this game, which is like face acting. Oh, yeah. Like like reactions and, um, you know, I guess just reactions is what I'm talking (laughs) about. But like, you know. To be expressive and to be, like, gifable, I guess, mm-hmm. is, like, an incredible attribute to win over both the producers who are trying to make good TV and the audience who are trying to, you know, find characters to relate to and stuff. It's amazing. Yeah, and, and sort of give no... yourself longevity post-show. If you've got a gift totally. that everyone yeah. wants to keep yeah. using, they're going to remember you. Yeah. <laughs> right. True. I mean, you like, for example... It's why the fucking Dabulous guy is still on my <laughs> most frequently... Texted gifts. Yeah, and no one would know even who Michael Jordan is if he didn't cry that one time. Exactly. <laughs> That's true. Um, yeah, look, uh, it's Tatum time now because she has decided to walk. There's all this stuff with Sierra trying to get Jimmy's attention for something cool that she has planned that we never see, and I'm so sad about it. Yeah. But ultimately, Tatum takes over, and Steph calls her Tatum. Sorry, Tatum. <laughs> I, I loved that. Hated that. Hated that. <laughs> what? What was happening here? Was this taken out of context? I, I don't know what the bit would be. Like, so it might be like if I was like Xavier or something like that. Would that be right? Sure, I guess. I don't know. I is that funny? Like, it's like you're not even important mm. enough to me for me to know what your name is. You oh. Know? It's like that. Yeah. Tatum, yeah, that, yeah. is it? I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Love that. Uh, yeah, I think Steph is such a good villain for this season. Like, yeah. uh, objectively, doesn't seem like she's doing all that much of, of nice things to the other women in the house, but she's making great television. Yeah. Uh, do you remember what Sierra said when she didn't get time? No, tell me. <laughs> she said, eat an entire bag of dicks. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I was like, it's so Australian and I love it. Yeah. It's just more of her, like, perfect delivery as yes. well. Yes. Couldn't happen anywhere else in the world. Um, So, yeah, what happens is that Tatum Tatum cuts in on Tani's time, Tani's time with Jaime. And basically (laughs) she says, nah, I'm not feeling it. I think you're a great guy with amazing qualities. And then she bails. And Jimmy says that he appreciates Tatum's honesty, wishes her all the very best. Xavier, does he listen to the pod? Uh, that's, uh, that's a good question. Mm. No, we took that from the show. 
Um, I think Tatum handled this so well. I feel like this was this was very graceful. It was great. I feel like it was she <laughs> was great. She um, knowingly walks out of earshot of the other women, which I think is a deliberate and smart move. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's just like, look, you know what? I mean, I've been here a while. I know how I feel. I she She's made her mind up before she even walks over there. She's like, I get it. I, you know, and she's backing herself. I think it's all is this good stuff. Um, I think Tatum deserves to feel the sand between her toes mm. in paradise, my friends. <laughs> yeah. Uh, if, if that chance arises. I would um, love to see more of that. But yeah, the way that she leaves is, is, is surprising. It shocked everybody, including me. Mm. Um, you know, she just like makes her way down the driveway and she turns to wave goodbye. At which point everybody else freaks out. Cause they're like, wait, she's not coming back. Right. A hundred percent. So Laura, Steph and stylish Stevie, then, all race after her, but yeah, I think that they can't find her. And what happens is that stylish Stevie actually just runs so far away that she uh, leaves the mansion and is never to be seen again. <laughs> is, that, is that what we're doing for the end of this one? Yep, we sure are. We don't need a rose ceremony. We don't need to know in which order. Uh, it's time to say goodbye to stylish Stevie forever in our hearts. So I do need to just quickly cap off Tatum. Um, Tatum completes her run on the show with a total Instagram follower game of 1,323 after racking up 432 followers this week. Honestly, I feel like that is a good result, but also she deserves more. I I think Tatum is cool. This is a great moment for Tatum. Uh, it sucks that we're only learning anything about her right now, mm. but... Um, that's kind of just the way that it goes. Yeah, yeah, and even the stuff with Holly, she's justified in her opinion, I think. It was definitely a boss move. I very much respect the walkout. Totally. I mean, you can't expect yes. every girl to like the guy. And I feel like even a lot of them just get into that kind of weird, like, cave person mindset where they're all like, no, oh, I want this thing. I must survive. And like, right, they don't right. even yeah, really yeah. like yeah. him. Um, and as you said, Max, at the rose ceremony, it is goodbye to hairstylist, stylish Stevie. Hairstylist, stylish Stevie. <laughs> who has been consistently robbed of screen time and therefore Instagram followers since week one. Um, bit of a bit of a shame. Um, this week she gained just 86 new followers, bringing her total to 493. That's just a hair under what Tatum got in this week alone. Wow. We will talk a bit more about the Instagram games at the end of this episode. But now it's time for us to deep dive into the... I don't know why I said it like that. (laughs) (laughs) But now it's time for us to dive deeply into The Bachelor Australia Season 9, Episode 8. We open at the Batch Pad, where Jimmy sits down at the kitchen counter and opens his MacBook. He's got a video call open with Brooke. And I am realizing I have pitched this intro in a comedic tone again for a tragic (laughs) moment. (laughs) Bring it down, baby. Uh, Brooke. <laughs> Why do I keep doing this? I just get excited when it's my turn to talk. Uh, Brooke has had to leave the show between episodes due to a death in the family. Her grandfather passed away and she and he were very close, especially after his grandmother died just a couple of years ago. Remember the angel food cake recipe from night one. So Jimmy offers Brooke a big virtual hug and sadly closes the laptop. 
Back at the mansion, we see a girl chat where the remaining women discuss what a shame it is for Brooke to leave and how hard it is to lose a family member. All the while posing with the You Foods Butter Up Popcorn <laughs> that is sponsoring this episode of the show. A very, very strange deployment of some... Extremely, extremely subtle, sponsored, sponsored content, content products. I think we are witnessing a red herring here. I am almost sure that Brooke is going to come back later in the game. I don't feel like this is it. What do you guys reckon? I, I want to get your fresh takes on this. I wasn't clear on that because the way he was talking to her, he was like, oh, such a shame you left by. Like, it seemed very final, mm. but then someone else yeah. said something later that made it not seem final, final, and I didn't know if I missed something or what it was meant to be. Yeah, me too. I don't know. I, um, my... What's the brand of the popcorn, Xavi? You foods. My you foods. Hot, wait, what's it called? You 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 foods into me. Uh, I did write it down. <laughs> you foods butter up. My you foods butter up. Hot take of the week uh, is that no, I don't think Brooks coming back. I don't understand wow. why. Uh, and read popcorn noises. Sorry. Read the product placement. I, it might be one of those things where they're like, we want the product shown. Uh, in this time slot of the episode, so like they had to have it in the first five minutes totally. or something, and yeah. then they had yep. to awkwardly yeah. shoehorn it into her speaking about her deceased relative. <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine there was there was a deal made that was like we want it at seven thirty five, no matter yeah. what's going on. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah, totally. Yeah, that that checks out. Uh, but yikes, as well. Yeah, look, I don't know. Maybe it's just my inner conspiracy theorist coming out here. Um, but I didn't feel like it was definitive enough. Um, and mm. also I just, I, I, you know, it, it can happen either way, but we've seen this on other series, on, on other seasons of this show where somebody leaves due to a family circumstance or a death in the family or something like that. And they do come back. Mm. Um, it feels like there's enough runway left before the end of the show, at least in terms of number of episodes, if not weeks <laughs> of airing, uh, for, for her to reappear. So I'm not going to eulogize her just yet. I'm not going to read out her. Uh, Instagram, Insta, Instagram gains, because um, I feel like it will become clear at some point. Mm. Did you notice that he did the Roxy laptop shut? He didn't. Yes. <laughs> the classic, and he shut it, and then he just pensively looked off in the distance and went. Right. <laughs> it was very. Yeah, funny. he does it. It's, <laughs> it's so great to take that moment of like fierce sort of victory and to you know which has become such an iconic part of the post-coronavirus bachelor uh, yeah. and to turn it into this like longing sort of like sad moment is is really beautiful yeah and then he's like oh well off to my other however many girlfriends <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> right right uh and then no card no clue um we launch right into a single date with carly Carly and Jimmy meet on the roof of Western Sydney University, of all places, and Carly, in all her wisdom, notices that they are up high and <laughs> realises that she has been picked for a fear of heights date. One of these must happen every season. Um, at and least a one. Sort of, at least yeah, one. Yeah, at least You're right. one. You're right. This is probably not the last of these, especially because they have a pilot. Now that I'm thinking about it, they're kind of all a fear of heights yeah. date, really. <laughs> Uh, there's a sort of like flying fox thing. Uh, what are we calling it? A zip line uh, set up off the side of the building. And Carly will have to grab a key on her way down, which opens up a box, which is waiting for them at the bottom. 
And so we see them all strap in and they put their carabiners on and I'm preparing myself for this high adrenaline, quick burst of speed as they slide <laughs> down the rope. And, and what happened yeah. instead? <laughs> they like very gradually roll down as they dangle lifelessly in midair. It looks fucking hilarious. Well, it's, look, not it's, a very... it's, it's not a zipline. It's not a flying fox. They just like gently eased themselves down with their hands. Like... <laughs> it literally looks like some kind of escape mechanism. Yeah. Like they are trying to get out as quickly. Well, not as quickly as possible. Like as safely as possible. It was very awkward. It is not a cool, it's not a cool date. It is not romantic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They are both, you know, I mean, Carly's doing her best, but they are kind of just like, <laughs> we're doing this. Isn't this interesting? And so, but the reason that this comes about is because Jimmy says that he's not sure if Carly's fun enough. Basically, rude. Is that the vibe? Yeah, rude. I agree. <laughs> I think Carly you, rules. Um, it, yeah, like on this date, we established that Carly is like smart, beautiful, fun, kind, good at banter, great narrator. All of these things mm-hmm. that make mm-hmm. me feel like Carly is the person who he should choose, not the person that I think that he will choose. Um, sure. I just think that she rules the mm. um, the activity of it all though like what are we what are we why are we doing this I think this is the worst date of the season oh my god and, and it, it gets maybe <laughs> Somehow worse, worse. Yeah. I hated it and it was again another date where he was like hey I'm gonna put you in this horrible situation and see if you take it kind of right, thing exactly. right exactly right. I don't if know if she enough. overheard him say that she wasn't fun enough because she was way too enthusiastic to me oh my she god was just yeah. like, she was like i love everything it's great i'm so excited like i guess she's been cooped up in that mansion for a while but right totally like, that's i, I think what ice. it is is like <laughs> she is aware that this is you know she's probably watched the show she probably knows mm. or at least she knows how many weeks she's been sitting in the mansion mm. uh she knows this is an important moment um which I think we're seeing a, a fair bit of uh, on, on the, the dates to come in these ones But here. is it that, or if um, you'd seen the show, would you play it more like, God, I'm really nervous and I'm scared of heights, but I trust you and I'm going to give anything a go. And then you have that arc of like right. overcoming yeah. and, you know. Yeah. yeah. What you want is I the mean, triumphant strings. Yeah, mm. he was waiting for her to be scared of, of it. And she was just like, no, it's great. I can't wait to possibly die. Yeah, it's funny how he keeps wanting these women to be like scared or frail but the show has just cast all of these women who are surprisingly competent at most things like Lily's like no I can surf that's fine and Carly's like building no worries I think there's a lot in that though is that you know the the bachelor you know the the male bachelor the the traditional bachelor Mm. as it has stood uh, is a show that is built around this very, very like um patriarchal ideal of like many women competing for a big strong great cool like hot (laughs) funny handsome rich dude Mm. and now we are in 2021 and audiences are demanding something a bit different to what they were when this show launched in 2002 it's not to say people wouldn't have been right in demanding that 20 years ago as well but now we are looking for value in the in the female characters to a presumably a larger degree and so there is a tussle at the heart of this program you know between these like strong and funny and independent and smart and capable women and a guy who is also those things (laughs) but you really want to have to you know like how do we how do we uh 
Yeah. I mean, to reframe it, Chloe strikes me as a particularly progressive character for a sitcom who is a sitcom for a, for a television show that has been on the air for, for as long as Neighbours has. How did you guys go navigating that change in or like that that I don't know marionette kind of zeitgeist? Yeah, well, we have a very um, diverse group of writers, um, mm. uh, many of whom identify as bi or gay and so they really fed a lot of their own experiences into the character I believe because my character is bi um, for people who don't know um, and we had um, several uh, scenes like when my character was married to Tim Robards from The Bachelor yes. to his character kind of one of the things that led to their marriage breakdown was his character's mm, sort of not really comprehending that bisexual bisexuality doesn't mean that you are like desperately wanting to be with the other sex. You can right. be monogamous with someone yeah. of a certain sex, you know, and, and all of that kind of um, that sort of debate that can happen. Um, right. That so I think, yeah, it was really good that we sort of tackled those issues um, on the show. I forgot what your question was. I went off on a tangent. No, like you pretty much answered it. The idea was like, uh, how, how do you, how did the show go about navigating that um, in uh, particularly in a time slot where I, I'm thinking about, having being from Ballina and watching neighbors maybe 10 or 11 years old at 6 30 at night and being like oh fuck d just drove off a cliff you know like that's yeah and she just got married to Tony. that's no but and now watching this like uh show imbued with a sense of of morality is pretty fucking cool yeah we definitely try and and um yeah like we really push for diversity in all in all um areas of the show yeah for now. sure I, th I think it's the only way that a, a long-running TV show can continue to be on the air is to change with the times and reflect what its audience needs or, or wants to see. Yeah, you know? and I think the way that the show The Bachelor has done that is um, obviously we just weren't seeing enough hula hooping in the past nine seasons, and it's really <laughs> nice to see them remedy some of that here. Right? Yeah, I was going to say with the uh, Carly... Carly is like, oh, yeah, do you want to give it a try? Like, so presumptuous, just assuming that you can, A, do what this expert performer does and, B, that it's okay to use her, like, specialised equipment. Like, it's so entitled. True. Oh, could you do that? You know? Oh, all right. <laughs> so inside the box at the bottom of the fall or the – what is it? Inside the box at the bottom of the zipline is an outfit for each of them themed after the Roaring Twenties. I got absolutely bodied on Twitter when I made oh a joke God. about how she was in her 30s and they were going to a 20s themed like thing. <laughs> and someone was like, is that meant to be a joke? Because I believe you'll find that they were actually talking about the decade rather than her oh, age. No. <laughs> Awful. Um, but yeah, at the private party that they're invited to with no one else, it is not a private party. It's a fucking spare room. <laughs> Um, they find a champagne tower mm. and they start pouring champagne into the champagne tower and they absolutely fucking spill it everywhere because you're not just meant to pour it into random glasses. You go from the top and you mm. let it trickle down. These people don't know anything about geometry. But I'm also thinking, like, why is this happening at all? There's clearly only two people there and a camera crew. Mm. I don't think they're going to get through 91 glasses of champagne on their own. I did some maths, and that's how many glasses it would be. 
the only thing I can think is that they might get a little bit of help from this hula hooper that shows up, as we mentioned before. They play some, like, 1920s sounding music over the top, but she looks like she's walked straight out of a bush doof. <laughs> she's got, like, fluoro light-up hula hoops. She's got dyed hair and tattoos. Jimmy ITMs that Carly's hip action was definitely more feminine than mine. What are you talking about, Jimmy? Okay. Uh, yeah, sure. Um, very weird. They get cozy at a batchy couch, and Jimmy asks a pretty good question. If they moved in together, what would their first fight be over? And Carly says she wants a team player mm. and doesn't want to end up doing all of the traditional female jobs. Which I think is a good answer. I like her backing herself here. And then Jimmy says, oh, that won't be a problem because in my family, my dad does the ironing and the washing and the cleaning. And I'm like, Jimmy, she's asking about you, not your dad. <laughs> There's no mention of what he does. Carly's looking for somebody stable, who doesn't just like the idea of her, but who she is underneath. She says, despite all the glossy box ticking stuff that he might be drawn to, there's more to her than just that. And Jimmy goes, cool, glad to hear it. And he hands her a rose. <laughs> no follow-up questions. No indication that he's curious about what is under the surface, but sure, whatever. I think Carly's trying so hard. I think she's giving so much on this day. And I feel like Jimmy is not picking up what she's putting down. What do you guys think? I think, as I said before, it feels like almost very competitive. Like, like when he offers her the rose, yeah. she's like, yes, thank you very much. I will take that rose. Great. Good. Check that box. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, not to say she doesn't like him, but, um, but yeah, that was definitely a, uh, an element sure. of... <laughs> being thrilled to win the contest. <laughs> so everybody is invited to the group date, except me. <laughs> I don't know why. Again. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Um, all the women, that is, are brought to City Boys High School and Osha tells them to get seated in homeroom before the bell rings. Yes, Mr. Ginsburg. <laughs> Holly puts her legs up on the desk and we're treated to an ITM from Steph who asks, is this working? Does this work for Jimmy? As she pulls her legs up to her head. <laughs> I feel like if you do that on a date, you will get some attention. It's maybe <laughs> worth showing that flexibility. Maybe it is working. Hmm, I guess. Uh, Laura is picked as debating captain and Sierra as sports captain. I feel like I do need to say this because it unfortunately does not come up that often. Yes, I was school captain in high school. No oh, really? big deal. Oh, yeah, I was. Congratulations. Yeah, well, thank you so much. <laughs> do um, you still have your badge? Oh, that's a good question. I bet it's in a box somewhere. I don't really know. You should wear it. Maybe that. my parents like, have it. Attach it to you know, your, your T-shirts and your jackets when you go out. It's <laughs> a great idea. Pride. That's good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, bring it back. Do you know totally. if what? like if you and I went to um if, if you and I went to the club, Zabi, and Which we do. Which of obviously course. we do. Um yeah. and especially during lockdown. We were both wearing our school captain's badges. Um maybe mm. we'd get sent cheese platters. <laughs> you were school captain as well? I was. Oh my goodness. Oh I feel like the pipeline of school captain to podcast host <laughs> is like a real and true one. I feel like a real underachiever now. Didn't know I was in the presence <laughs> of think... school captaincy royalty. <laughs> <laughs> I think you've more than made up for it, April. <laughs> Do you know, actually, this actually 
ties in pretty well to um to what's going to happen with the form. I have a school captain form or crossover story. So um, oh. let's um let's save it, but we'll come back to it, listeners. Stick around. Okay, good, good, good. Well, let's talk about this debating topic because I feel like this is very interesting. The debating topic is: Does love at first sight really exist? Mm. The strongest debater is going to get some one on one time with Jimmy. I feel like everybody was pretty strong here, and it's also a good chance for some of the more background players to get a little bit of camera time. So nobody can argue with Tani on the on the affirmative team when she asks, "How do you explain the feeling when you look at a puppy?" Everyone's like, "Oh fuck, Solid. I do love puppies. Mm. Yeah. She's good." <laughs> Holly then makes an incredible choice to say. Nine seasons of The Bachelor would have been a lot shorter if the bloke made up his mind on the first night. I love this so much. I feel like this is underrated, smart, strategic play because she is showing that she trusts The Bachelor above all. She is (laughs) praising the process. She is saying there's Mm. nothing weird about using this exact method to find love. It is more reliable (laughs) than our traditional definition of love at first sight. It's so good mm. because mm-hmm. you have to love The Bachelor to win The Bachelor. Yeah, yeah. And look, uh, does Married at First Sight exist? Who can say? That's <laughs> <laughs> true. Lily says penguins fall in love at first sight and they mate for life. Bringing some outside knowledge. I like that. And then Rebecca, who is receiving a real visibility spike uh, at this point, says her parents emigrated to Australia in the 1970s and they fell in love gradually over time due to the quality time that they spent together. And then Laura gets this mic drop moment where she asks whether after meeting 23 eligible women just a few weeks ago, is he prepared to say that he loves any of them? And Jimmy is quick on the bell, and he doesn't answer the question. But it's enough to earn the negative the win and Laura the one-on-one time. I am so curious about the ramifications of this outcome. Mm. The Bachelor Jimmy Nicholson has officially been convinced that love at first sight doesn't exist. (laughs) And the television show that he is on called The Bachelor has now stated this as fact. Is the show proving its own obsolescence here? (laughs) In PE, they're playing Poison Ball, and so they play three rounds of Poison Ball. You know, there's not much to say about this. Despite Steph's best attempts and her short, strong calves, Sierra ends up winning the extra time with Jimmy. Um, You know, it's it's filler. It's a Bachelor sports group date, but at least as far as those go, I feel like you could tell what was happening on this one, so I want to give them some credit for that. And then we get to the real meat of the date, The school formal. And I'm just thinking it's so nice for all of them to have an opportunity to get dressed up in cocktail dresses and stuff. Like, you never really get to see an opportunity like this on The Bachelor. Mm -hmm. Um. I was going to say the same thing. I was so disappointed. Like, I thought they might do, like, an 80s prom thing. Yes. Or they could have gone, like, the 2000s. Like, what the girls actually wore to their own school formals. Like... Something like that. I agree. They, they just wore what they always wear to the cocktail party. And I was like, oh, cool. Mm-hmm. I'm going to see you in this in 10 minutes anyway. <laughs> there should have been like a local cover band that rocked up and just played like, you know, the Grease Mega Mix or like, <laughs> you know, some high school kid on the DJ decks, like playing something he had written the week before. Riding on a highway. <laughs> 
everyone should be doing the nut bush. It yeah. doesn't even come up. Yeah. Just like a real school formal, though, all the girls are standing on one side of the room and all the boy is standing on the other side. <laughs> uh, Osha says that, yes, Laura and Sierra have won alone time with Jimmy, but the real prize tonight is the rose, which will guarantee them not just immunity this week, but also the next single date. This is a big deal. Laura's one-on-one time is first, and despite being on more group dates than anyone else, yes, I did make a spreadsheet, (laughs) this is really her first proper alone time with Jimmy. And Laura shares her awkward year 12 dumped on the night of formal story, and in the moment saying that she needs to open up to Jimmy a bit more. And this feels like crucial timing. You know, while we've been really enjoying her self-awareness and the levity that she brings to the show, she evidently doesn't want to, like, paint herself into a corner. Yeah. So I think that self-awareness extends to this, where she's like, I can't be the litany, you know? I Or I can't just be, you know, the, the comic relief. I need to be a person. She says, going forward, I know you've got an idea of who you want to spend more time with. Do you think there's still room? And I feel like in this line of dialogue, it's such a tricky balancing act because at the time I was watching it, I was thinking, I I want her to make him make space for her. You know, I want mm-hmm. her to own her self-worth and to push back and to say like, you know, um, you know, I, I know you've probably got an idea of who you want to spend more time with, but don't count me out. Mm-hmm. Like that's what I was looking for. But also I feel like if she pushes too hard, it's not too hard to imagine him just sending her home and being like, listen, what you want is valid, but I can't give it to you. Yeah. So I feel like the way that she handles this is perfect. It's like a very deftly maneuvered uh, conversation on Laura's part. Yeah, I really appreciated this from Laura. We're going to see a a lot more from her in the next episode. And they're just, yeah, there's a a real, I don't know, intelligence to, to the way that she conducts herself, but also this deep complexity and uncomfortableness with i don't know maybe the experiences that she's had in the past or there's, there's a lot of stuff here we'll get to it yeah uh sierra's one-on-one time is next and interestingly enough i feel like she's in a similar position she has been a huge producer and audience favorite mm. for her amazing confessionals and her charisma and her reaction shots i think it's pronounced chlamydia <laughs> But yeah, I, but I feel like the the way that she is playing to the audience and maybe to the producers is maybe at a, at the risk of building a bond with Jimmy, mm. you know. Um, and I feel like the narrative even places her a little bit outside the circle of other women. She's not necessarily the villain, but she doesn't seem like in the heart of the inner sanctum either. Mm. Unfortunately, we don't see any of their conversation beyond Sierra telling him that she hopes that he realizes she's fun, we kind of just cut away. Which Twice is in a row. It's, Yeah. It's, and it's like, I guess, if we are putting out this much television in one week, we've got to cut some things out. We've got to shave a few edges off. Um, and knowing that Sierra's going home, she's had no shortage of camera time. So maybe it's just uh, a necessary mm. victim of that. But... In terms of closure, it would have been nice to know what happened here. Yeah. Yeah, I just think it would have been 
really good to see that conversation with Ciara, given that she's kind of not treated as a genuine prospect for Jimmy. She's more of like a mm. comic relief, you know, those kind of characters. Mm. So she's sort of not given a chance to be seen as more or for us to see if there is a connection or anything like that. Yeah. Right. Well, Tani gets some alone time here and she does what I, I think I initially wanted Laura to do. She says, I know there's a rose in there and I want to go on a single date and find out if there's anything more there between us. And it's blunt and it's to the point and it seems to be working on Jimmy. I kind of, I kind of love this, but it's a little bit hard to focus on what Tani's saying because at this point, a tiny little Jimmy Nicholson appears at the bottom of the screen <laughs> along with a ticker, which alerts viewers for the first time, at least in my case, that 10 will in fact be airing a double episode tonight, which was a big surprise. Yeah. <laughs> Is now the time to talk about why? Well, yeah. I mean, why not, right? Because this is this, this literally took me by complete surprise. I yeah. was like, oh, I guess I'm getting another bottle of wine out. Like, Right. We were uh, sitting there at the start of the episode, and I think both of us noticed, save that it was like two, a two and a half hour thing. And we, I, longer than you. Yeah, what are we doing? How is this going to go for this long? But then yeah. it turns out that they put two episodes back to back. Do we have a hypothesis? Well, I mean... This has been raised by others. I feel like it may be the most obvious. We've been looking at the ratings throughout the whole season and they have been pretty bad. They started pretty low uh, and they continued to be pretty low throughout the course of the season. Of course, we began this season during the Olympic Games uh, in in direct competition with them, which is not a great sight. Mm. And they could never really climb out and away from that. So I do get the impression that maybe they're just kind of trying to churn and burn through them. And, you know, there is there is a sensation that I get and I am in a, you know, I'm in certain circles or whatever, but I feel like most people are looking forward to Bachelorette happening and there are not so many people who are like diehard Bachelor fans this season, despite these being good episodes and I, I like mm. them, you know? Xavier, it's have you ever funny. had to knock on... Oh, sorry. I had a dumb joke. You go ahead. (laughs) No, I want to hear the dumb joke. I was just asking, seeing as it's an impression that he gets, whether or not he's ever had to knock on wood. (laughs) (laughs) The impression I get. (laughs) Because I know someone who has. Oh, really? Yep. I've heard it It isn't good. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I was going to say the fact that they didn't sort of publicize it and go like special extra long episode and kind of right. snuck that little thing in halfway, almost like it's a punishment. Totally. They're like, oh, we're really yeah. sorry. Just letting yeah. you know this episode's going to be really long. Okay, bye. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Yeah. Because I would have been stoked if I had have known about this ahead of time. I don't think I would have even been thinking about the, I would have even been thinking about the ratings. Yeah. I think I would have been like, oh, cool. Like an extra treat yeah. for those of us who are watching or whatever. Mm. Um, but yeah, I mean, what, what are you supposed to do? I mean, Survivor they're, they're doesn't every do season. It. Yeah. I mean, you know, it is, it, it's interesting when you compare this to the American Bachelor, which is something I've been doing a lot lately. The American Bachelor has one very, very long episode every week. Mm. Uh, and here in Australia, we have two kind of shorter episodes that add up to about that length per week. But like, I'm kind of used to watching a long episode of Bachelor because I watch American Bachelor or Bachelorette. Mm. It's just that this one snuck up on us that was so strange. Uh, anyway, get used to it because they're doing it again next week. And we will see how the rest of the season uh, goes from there. It's hard to say. Uh, 
but yes, then Steph, who evidently feels the need to iron things out from the family dinner on the previous episode, asks if she can get some time with Jimmy. And then we hear a producer from off camera bluntly say, there won't be any time, just so you know. Ouch! It's so cruel! I've never heard this. Do you think that that was Holly's handler? Ooh. I wonder. Yeah, I mean, it's impossible to tell. But just the iciness of it. I know. Cold. Um, I I don't remember who said it, but did you catch... I think it might have been Sierra. She said, if Tani got a rose, I would be so fumigating. Yes, yes. (laughs) That was a great line. I can't take it. There are so many mixed metaphors and things. And then I think it's Steph, <laughs> Steph meaning like, she's like, I'll get my, you know, I'll, I'll get what I want sort of thing. But she goes, I'll get my comeuppance. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Yeah. I just wish they would do like a little quick correction on the bottom of the screen, like the proper phrase with an yeah, asterisk yeah. or something. Like <laughs> it drives me crazy. I feel like you could, you could publish a really good book of like the... Co- the terms coined on The Bachelor, you know, <laughs> yeah, new absolutely. phrases that yeah. disingenuineness. Totally, <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's probably what it'd be called. <laughs> Disingenuine words for the modern age, <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> All right, TM, TM. Nobody write it. <laughs> uh, Jimmy comes back in and awards the rose to Laura, who ITMs. I just feel hopeful. Like maybe I deserve to be here as much as anyone else. And it's really sweet and it's really heartwarming and it feels like it is a conversion from the like fool or clown edit that she might have been getting up to this point to a really solid underdog edit Mm. and she is someone that we can really root for. Yeah, I think that that's a a stark contrast to what April was saying just a couple of minutes ago, you know, like Sierra's not being treated with this kind of respect, I guess, in the edit as Mm. as someone Mm. who might be a romantic person perspective for Jimmy Steph is and Laura certainly is and yeah you're right maybe there's a little more that they could have done to validate Sierra in that way Mm. but speaking of Sierra um, we go to the rose ceremony Laura and Carly are safe with roses the rose order is as follows Ash Rebecca Tani Steph Lily Jay and Holly so it is with genuine shock that we say farewell to Sierra one of the most memorable characters that we've had on the show in a while. Her voiceover during the rose ceremony shows that she really knows her strengths. Mm. She says, I'm really tall, voluptuous, loud, beautiful, smart, and I just need that chance. And her exit is suitably iconic. She gives Jimmy two tiny little pats on the back, (laughs) and then she just marches out. She doesn't turn around. She doesn't say anything to anybody else. It's fucking great. And then she's given clown music for her backseat interview where she says, I kind of had an inkling that Jimmy wasn't into tall, horny bogus. Know your brand. It's important to know your brand. A hundred percent. Yeah. Let me tell you, if you're you're leaving the batchy, you want to make sure you're underlining exactly what your brand is. Yeah. I'm actually pretty sure that the band who sang impression that I get were called the Tall Horny Bogans. So... (laughs) (laughs) If there isn't a ska band called the Tall Horny Bogans. I know. I know. She says, you don't want to give me a rose? Like, that's fine. I'll be all right. 
And then the icing on the full edit cake is the big zoom out with extra reverb on her voice as if you could hear it from space and it makes it sound like she's just kind of blabbering to herself or whatever. Uh, it felt like a little bit of a knife a twist at this much, point. wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. I mean, not like a Patty level knife twist. Nah, but... <laughs> I enjoyed she also pulled out a forgetting Sarah Marshall bullshit, bullshit, bullshit quote. So good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Was she also the one that's made the Ralph Wiggum's heart tearing in two reference? Yes. Oh, that was someone else, oh no, it was Steph, wasn't was it? it? Was that Steph? <gasps> oh. Mm, yeah. I love it. I love a sneaky Simpsons ref. Me too. Yes. Look, Sierra was an absolute gift to this show, and we will be very happy to see her with sand betwixt her toes yes. should the opportunity arise. <laughs> I don't think Bachelor of Paradise is coming again. I just like when somebody gets an edit that feels paradise, you know, adjacent, uh, I wanna I wanna spotlight it in in memorial, you know. Sierra had her best week on Instagram this week with 802 new followers, and she leaves the game with a total gain of 1,641. Yes, babes. Pretty good. Pretty good. Good for you. Yes. We love Sierra. It's now time to move on to our recap of The Bachelor Australia Season 9, Episode 8 and a half. <laughs> eight and a half? Hard to say. Yeah, yeah I know. Yeah, well, eight this and is three the quarters? <laughs> Right. Eight and three quarters. You're right. Thank you. Platform eight and three quarters. <laughs> uh, Bongiorno. Uh, Prego. Parmigiano Reggiano. Yeah. It's a cooking date for Laura, who is the absolute shining star of this episode. We are making the pasta because Laura is Italian for Zulis. And Zavi, you have often said that the woman who goes on the messy date ends up being the winner of the season. How are you feeling? Yeah, well, I mean, here's the thing. Mm. Here's the thing. This is a lob-up for a messy date. Isn't it? Which does not turn into a messy date. Right. This is the first time in recorded Bachelor history that the messy date hasn't ended up with flour in each and every orifice. I can't believe how neat and tidy it is. I know. Is. And it's because they give Laura the silly strings. Like... We've got this bouncy little tango going on in the background. And Laura explains that she has never cooked with a man romantically. Zavi, I know that you have cooked romantically in the past. If you would like to know more about the patented XRN uh, make ratatouille watch ratatouille date, please listen back to any number of prior episodes of we this podcast. We do talk podcast. about this quite a bit. That's true. April, are you into the idea of cooking being romantic or are you more like me we're in uh, i do all the cooking in our house and please nobody come within 10 meters of me while i'm using the extremely hot fire to create sustenance mm. oh yeah that's true i like i do like it as a concept and i have partaken in the couple's cooking mm. i think it's good if you delegate if like yeah. One person's good at doing that job and you do this job, but I'm a bit like you. I'm like, no, this is the best way to do this and you are ruining it. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so I think yeah. the key is delegation. Yeah. <laughs> I do think um, we should stop down here just for a moment on the fact that Laura is Italian, so therefore she gets the Italian date. Like she goes to the Italian villa and they make fresh pasta from scratch because I'm curious about what would happen if Jimmy was taking a woman of any, almost any other cultural background on this date, and it's almost lucky that 
there are no people of color or anything <laughs> in this cast because it's like if he was like oh hey you're indian so now you have to teach me how to make like a lamb korma or something oh boy. suddenly it feels like pretty gross don't you think Mm. Do you think the date was like it was already always going to be a pasta making date and then it was just whoever ended up getting it? I think or that's were they going to right. tailor the yeah. cuisine to the person? <laughs> <laughs> I do think it's interesting though, because at some point in the conversation around planning this season ahead of time, mm. two things must have come up. One, that they're going to do this Italian cooking date at the villa or whatever. And two, that one of the sponsors is U Foods and one of the products that we're going to show off directly is their fucking creamy pasta in a little plastic tray. Mm. Because this makes that look like hot garbage. (laughs) I think hot garbage might have been the name of the company before they changed it to U Foods. (laughs) It's a wise move on their Mm -hmm. part. We hear Laura saying, I'm trying to play it cool, but I don't have the means. I'm out of my depth. And Jimmy says to camera, the banter is very friendly. And this is when we hear Laura say, Mm -hmm. that is like straight up fettuccine, baby. (laughs) It's like an Austin Powers thing. She is me. I am Laura. This was way too relatable. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. There's so much of this that I've just, exactly as you say, I'm Laura in this date. It's so good. There's some um, staged conversation now back at the mansion between Steph, Ash, Jay, and uh, maybe someone else, it's not important, about how Laura desperately wants a kiss and a rose. Baby! She doesn't even... She says what would seal the deal is to get a a kiss and a rose. (laughs) Like, she knows what she's doing here. This is great fucking dialogue. Perhaps the more appropriate line from that song is actually, the more I get of you, the stranger it feels. Because we're Mm. set up in our nice little Italian backyard in Sydney and things are about to get really vulnerable and then really nice and then really uncomfortable and then very sad and then really nice but a bit different. I compare you to a kiss from... Is that what the song's about? (laughs) (laughs) Over a bowl of pasta that uh, one podcast host here on this very show has described as quite good as hell. Give me a slice of that. Well, you don't really do that with pasta. <laughs> Give me a slurp Break of that. Off a piece of that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Laura explains to Jimmy that she knows that she can present as a bit of a dickhead, her words, but that she's really taking this seriously. And she's glad that Jimmy is taking her seriously as well. Because it can be common in her life for men not to take her seriously. Because she's so gregarious and sarcastic. She says a lot of men find her a bit full-on, a bit much, claiming that she doesn't fit the profile of what she thinks some men might want in a woman, meaning, I don't know, a bit more of Jimmy's word is subservient. Um, And that even the ones who say that they do want to meet a funny, smart, cool, outspoken woman often secretly kind of don't. Look Mm. at the self-awareness here. Yeah. She's so good at articulating herself and being vulnerable. But then it presents as such, like, it comes to such a loggerheads because she's also saying to camera that she feels a lot of pressure to get a kiss and a rose from Jimmy Baby. She's had no luck in her past relationships. And then this, which genuinely made me laugh. So she says, when people 
say that there are plenty of fish in the sea. They don't mention that half of them are dead weight. And that is why, on this podcast, sometimes we play <laughs> Kiss or Fish. It's the game that's sweeping the nation While everybody's staying inside It's the game that everyone's playing As we're swimming down the river of life Is it a human woman or a giant trout? That's what in this case, Laura trying to figure out. <laughs> That's why we play kiss or fish. <laughs> so Jimmy says that he can see Laura uses comedy as a safety net and that being able to be serious as well is something that's important to him. Wouldn't know anything about using comedy as a safety <laughs> yeah, no, net. Not on this pod. <laughs> <laughs> Jimmy says that he feels like he's meeting the real Laura for the first time and that it was a slow start, but he wants them to keep getting to know each other. And Laura is chuffed with this. He gives her a rose. She is giddy. She goes, yay. And my whole heart is so happy for her. And then she leans in for the kiss and they just took in. No dramas, no existential dread or trauma on television. It's so, it was beautiful. And I was so happy for the both of them. And we can call the whole show off and they can just get married. Max, did you step out of the room or switch channels or something? Fall asleep? Yeah. This is a long episode. I know maybe you were getting a little weary at this point. At this point, yeah. Unfortunately, none of that happens. Instead, Mm. Laura commentates to Jimmy that she is just going to go for it. And then she puts her arm around him and Jimmy goes straight for a sip of the red wine. Shirks the kiss. It's so uncomfortable. Uh, And he laughs. He laughs. Laura tries to laugh it off, but she's so embarrassed and you can see it straight away. Uh, and Jimmy, like, he tries to make it better. And I loved his and I loved his attempt at trying to make it better. He says, I really want to kiss you. But now we're getting to the pointy end. I just want to, actually, sorry, just point out that April has her whole arm covering her face <laughs> at the moment. And my, like, my leg is up. I am, like, <laughs> I am <laughs> the personification of cringe right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, it was so awkward. I felt so bad for her. Me and I just too. had flashbacks to, like, probably in hindsight, not a great piece of literature from the 90s, the... He's just not that into you, book. Fully. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and of him going, well, I really want to kiss you, and that book would be like, if he wanted to kiss you, he would he kiss would you. Have. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh. This was so rough, but I, I'm curious, Max, because you said you like the way that he handled this or, or tried to play this off. Yeah. To me, I feel like that's worth talking about a little bit because, like. He, you know, it is a, it is not a comfortable situation for anybody. And mm. I don't know how I would handle it or what I would want to do here necessarily. But, you know, the way that he says, like, um, we're getting to the pointy end of the experience. There's a lot of emotions involved. involved and I want to make sure that I'm feeling that we're both ready. Yeah. To me, it's like she has demonstrated that she wants to do this. Yes. And he is demonstrating that he doesn't want to. It just feels... Like, this is an error. Like, he is, like, he has, as the bachelor, 
misread or mis... I mean, I, I understand if he is not interested in her or if he doesn't want to kiss her, then by no means should he feel compelled to. But this feels like a foul, like, as far as gameplay goes, because Jimmy has kissed Lily, Brooke, Ash, Carly, Steph, Holly, and Jay. Every single person, seven of them, who has demonstrated that they want to, mm. or, or, you know, that he has wanted to kiss or whatever. So this stands out so much in contrast to that. I hear you. I understand that it presents as a party foul. But the thing that was most telling for me was the confessional where he said, I could tell that Laura was feeling a lot of pressure to kiss me and that didn't feel right. And that for me is mm. like, okay, you know what I mean? I don't, I don't think that there's anything that you can do other than try to make the most out of that situation. And I think the way that he does it by articulating, yes, I would love to kiss you, but you know, there's all these emotions. I want to make sure that we're both ready, particularly as he's just told her, you know, in, in TV time two minutes ago that he's finally meeting the real Laura for the first time and that he likes this person and wants to keep getting to know her. That for mm. me is like, okay, you know, um, I... Yeah, that did save it, I think. Yeah, I think so too. There's limited good ways to handle this, I think. Oh, God, yeah, it was all so cringy. But yeah, I get where he's coming from. I just got a whole... I got the impression that when she was speaking about... Um, she was like, you know, men I've dated in the past or generally it seems like men want this subservient girl and I'm just not that and, and that kind of thing. I almost felt like he was like, yeah, who would want that? But right. he kind of <laughs> secretly does. Yeah, <laughs> which is the exact second type of man she's talking about. Yeah, like he almost felt pressured to give her the rose because she'd opened up so much. But mm. I don't know, maybe mm. I'm reading into it too much. It's really hard. Yeah, to I say. mean, this is one of those tough moments because you know that we're not seeing every single part of this interaction, and we're seeing yes. you know the most digestible version of it and that kind of thing. Um, it it is probably a bit simplistic of me to be like, just fucking take the kiss and you can deal with it later or whatever. Like, mm. which which was my gut reaction is like, you're yeah, the bachelor, just fucking do it. Yeah, but um, yeah, maybe what he is doing is shielding her from more potential long-term hurt or perhaps himself um but yeah it, it does but he lead did to this. give her a rose like yeah. indicating that he yeah. wants to keep her there and he's not exactly been kiss shy thus far right throughout the season right. <laughs> right it's yeah it's really like ultimately i suppose he's the bachelor but it's hard to make a call based on what you think might be in someone else's best emotional interest. True. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I don't know. And for her, she's seen all these girls come back from dates and say they've kissed him. And so she's like, well, what's wrong with me? What have I done wrong? Yeah, yeah. totally. It's tough. It's so tough. Yeah. She runs offset and tells the producer how embarrassed she is because Jimmy's obviously not interested, her words. And then another producer rushes Jimmy in to try and smooth things over. And this is all shot through a window and the mics are on, but the cameras are not like, we're not on camera, you know, capital letters. 
Oh, I love. I mean, I love when the show does this because we're we're peeping toms and we're not watching a TV show. (laughs) We're watching. We're peering through the window. Two people having a private (laughs) moment. It feels more more like the behind the scenes we were talking about before. I love it. Yeah. 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 And so he says, "Look, I wasn't happy with how that ended." And Laura goes, "Sorry, I'm a dickhead." And he goes, no, 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 you're not. Don't be sorry. Don't feel like a dickhead. It was awkward and I feel terrible that I upset you. And Laura says, I just felt like there was so much pressure. And Jimmy says, this is the thing. This is the thing. Look, I completely get it. I don't want you to leave thinking that he doesn't like me because that's not right. It's not the case. I do want you to have that rose and I wouldn't have given it to you if I didn't mean that. And I think that is the thing that really tied it together for me listening to him give that confessional, which is I could tell Laura felt a lot of pressure to kiss me and it didn't feel right. And then for her to validate that, at least in terms of narratively, who can say whether it was shot out of order or not, Hmm. he says, she says, I just felt like there was so much pressure to kiss you. And he's like, yes, that's the thing. I knew it. Like I completely get it. I didn't want to force that situation on us. Um, that for me was like the the emotional validation of being like, okay, I think he's read this situation correctly and tried to make the best that he can with it. He definitely handles the the dismount <laughs> really well at this point. You know, like if you want to call it that, or the you know, the the cleanup or you know Yeah, we can call it that. This, yeah. Yeah. The the post uh care or whatever. Yeah. And then the other part of it, I guess, is the the where has this man been the whole time of it, you know? Like, do you think that some people change in front of the camera. Yes, I think Jimmy does, you know? Like on the Lily date, he's saying it's really important to throw yourself off the deep end and open up. We talked about that before, but I don't know. It occurs to me that this is like one of the first times that the show has really properly given him the opportunity to do that because the rest of the time we're putting him on different transportations and going fast on stuff <laughs> you, yeah, you know what yeah. i mean like why why is that is he uncomfortable in front of the camera well i feel like jimmy can tell the difference between reality tv drama and people having their feelings hurt properly yeah. you know what i mean like i think he is observing this as a moment and maybe it's due because it's it's quite you know it's the two of them and it's due to something that he said or you know a way that he behaved or whatever but i think that he is emotionally intelligent enough to know that there's going to be some reality tv drama there's going to be some people arguing at cocktail parties and that kind of thing and he doesn't necessarily need to uh step in every single time that happens mm. but but here is a moment to deploy that um that emotional intelligence yeah there's more at stake i suppose than tv on on this day in particular for Laura. And I think that he's recognized that and haven't, I don't know, kind of, haven't we all been both of them at some point? I'm usually Jimmy. I'm very good at driving a car and going <laughs> brum brum in a plane. I'm more like Steph in that I have um, short calves. <laughs> That's actually a very flat agile. lie. I went to, I went to my physio the other week and she was like, you have the longest calves and the most flexible calves of, anyone that I've ever seen. And I was like, that's crazy news. And she's like, the bad news is that you have tiny little hamstrings. And you've been overcompensated. Why did you bring, years years. Why did you bring your baby cows ha. and uh, little <laughs> piggies into the physio nope. with you? Nope, 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 okay, nope. Next, it's a group <laughs> date for Tani, Laura, Holly, Lily, and Ash. 
This is a meet the mum date, a mum reunion for the women and a chance for Jimmy to speed date five mums and work out whose family he wants to be adopted into. <laughs> we see everyone, including Jimmy and Osha, get really emotional about this. The mum reunion, and this is the moment that you pointed out before, April. No cameras. Jimmy and Osh walking off set, being mates. It's lovely and normal. How do you get comfortable in front of the camera? Um, I think it just takes time, mm. as it does with... Uh, developing love like we yep. see on the bachelor yep. all right great thank you <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um but i was gonna say did you guys tear up with the mum you know a lot of us a are separated bit. from our families now yeah. i haven't yeah. seen my mum since april with lockdown yeah I, I actually messaged her when i was watching and i said shut up i'm not crying at the bachelor with the mum <laughs> and she goes she goes shut up i didn't cry either and i'm not crying again now that you've brought it up again <laughs> sweetie <laughs> I do think that this moment between Osher and Jimmy was really fucking good, though. Yeah. Um, I I think, like, Osher says, it's so nice when they see each other. Like, he realizes how important this is to all of them. And Jimmy opens up, too. He's like, oh, I was like, I- I'm going to start crying. And I feel like you get this five-second glimpse into a relationship that we know is developing between Jimmy and Osher. Totes. That, unfortunately, we never get to see. And... Um, it's the real you know, love story. Yeah. Well, yeah. But I mean, like, I, I relate back to the American series a lot. Obviously, it's where this franchise began. In the American series, this has been part of the show since the beginning. The host, or, or now the hosts, will constantly be stepping in to help, like, frame and focus things for the batchy and help them make decisions, develop a relationship alongside them. And you have this host lead interaction mm. pretty frequently, or at least where it counts throughout the whole show. I've always wondered why this isn't a bigger part of our version. Yeah. And it raises a separate question, which is this one. Will you accept these bros? <laughs> <laughs> I, I feel like that is the title of like so many bachelor podcasts. 100%. If you went and punched that into iTunes or whatever, you would see like 30 identical to us looking dudes. (laughs) Yeah, there is not a lot to report from this date. The main dot points here are that Holly really wants to show Jimmy how good she is at conflict resolution. And so what she does about that is that she elects to send her mum in to clean up the mess that has been made. Um, And nothing quite says, I'm good at conflict resolution, like getting your mum to do your business for you. Thought that was great from Holly. I mean, it's. I feel like this is a little bit reductive. It is it's extremely that's reductive. The, that's the format of this day. Yeah, yeah. It's what yeah. what I think. I think she does quite well. Is to be like, hey, mum, can you get him to come talk to me? That's basically how. It plays yeah, out. yeah. It was great. It was like, yeah. hey, I need to talk to him. Get get him over here. Mm, mm. And then the other one who uh, really took me here was Tani's mum, who laid down the law and she basically threatened Jimmy into giving Tani a rose after all of the mums had left. Xavier, did you have anything else that you want to mention here? I mean, I liked uh, Ash telling her mum, I got him in the jacuzzi. I got him half naked. And the mum is like wide-eyed, mouth agape. Like, <laughs> you did what? Um, but yeah, I do I do like the, the Tani's mum sort of stare down. It was great. You know, she's like... Uh, 
what are you doing? Because because here's the thing, Tani hasn't had any time with Jimmy, mm. and you know she's justifiably upset about this, especially mm. when some of the other women have been uh, all up in this beeswax all the time. Um, and he's like, well, you know, there's only a certain amount of single dates. I'd love to give everyone a single date, but I can't. And then she goes, give her a date today. <laughs> it's fucking, it's great. He's like, don't break her heart. It's great. We love her. The, um, yeah. look, April, you've said that you bring your mum along on every date. Mm-hmm. Yeah. To, uh, what extent do you think that she has, um, threatened your perspectives in the past? I, I don't think I've ever dated anyone who was deemed uh, not good enough by mum. Mm. Um, mm. But I did have uh, friends in high school who my mum would be the tough mum for them. Cute. <laughs> I remember once my friend's boyfriend came to pick her up from my house and mum gave him a stern talking to. <laughs> we love And this. my friend That's like great. asked her to, was like, hey, April's mum, can you please... <laughs> Give this guy what for, you know? <laughs> so mum can definitely step in and uh, and fill uh, the shoes that Tani's mum does when called for. Mm, mm. Why? Which is the precise reason that we asked you on the pod this week. Yeah, exactly. Should I? <laughs> I should have brought my mum. Hey, she. She. Yeah. Look, I mean, uh, <laughs> should we conference? Now her it's in? time for a special surprise. Yeah. <laughs> um. Jimmy praises both Tani and her mum for their directness. And Tani is picked as the winner. But then this is so weird. We they don't have any time together. Yeah. Like the whole the whole idea was like, hey, um, why haven't you spent any time with my daughter? And then the mums all leave, and then only in voiceover we learn that Tani's been given a rose. Yeah, I think it's gonna happen next episode, question mark. Yeah. Maybe this was say. something to do with the the compacting of the episodes. Mm. I think something so. Like I that. think so. Yeah. 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 It's just very strange, especially because the focus is on Tani not spending any time with him for them to either cut this out or, you know, yeah, she's just there till next week, whatever. And now there's a single date at the batch pad for Jay, whose name is not Tani, and... We're playing a game of tennis. We had to jam this in as well. There's the whole thing with Steph telling Jimmy's cousin, Melissa, that Jay doesn't want kids. If you don't remember this, it was like four hours ago. I don't blame you. (laughs) But we do have to address it with Interestingly enough, I just wanted to spotlight this very quickly because they they have this flashback of Steph raising the concern. Mm. But they play more footage of it than we initially saw. That's true. Yeah. In this episode, we see her acknowledge that, quote, my sources are completely unreliable here, but I'm not sure that she wants to have kids. When previously we just saw her say, I'm not sure that she wants to have kids. I feel like that takes a little bit of the sting out, if you ask me. I just found that all very bizarre because it's like a very serious topic being handled in such an immature way. It's like, she doesn't want to have kids, pass it on. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, totally. I'm actually pretty sure... Um, did you see in the previous episode they were passing the notes in class? Mm. Yeah, so I think that some of that stuff might have even gotten brought up there as well. Um, Ooh, did you see? Do you see what happened on one of the notes that that I think Sierra passed to Jimmy? You know, I tried to get a screenshot of it and I couldn't. I couldn't hit pause at the exact right moment. But did you get it? Yeah, I've got it here. Um, mm-hmm. 
It says, I had feelings for Elena that I've actually never felt <laughs> for anyone in my life. She gave me butterflies every morning when I saw her. I'd be talking to her and I'd be busting to go to the toilet. And I would rather piss my pants and sit there and talk to her than go to Two the toilet. Two in one F. Bang, Two in bang. one F. Back to back. Sometimes we got you just Jamie see an episode. Jacked. <laughs> Good episode title. <laughs> yeah, true. Very true. Yeah, so what happens here is that uh, Jimmy says to Dre, my cousin Melissa said that she heard that you didn't want to have kids. And Jay is like, what? No, are you joking? I want to have kids in two to three years, just like Ashley from a few episodes ago, who you sent mm. home for wanting to have kids in two to three years because <laughs> that's too soon. The timelines weren't right that's when right. she said it. And so... Jimmy hears this and he's like, babe, that's perfect. That's the perfect amount of time. Like, nothing is a deal breaker. Let's never speak of this again. Uh, look here, uh, it's a rose. Let's kiss. And also, who is Ashley? Jimmy even says, I can definitely see myself falling for you, which is the closest that he has come to uttering the sacred incantation. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's wild. You're totally right. It's It's a double standard. But I mean, that's how it is sometimes. This is it. He so likes she... Jay more. What are you going to do? Right. Jay gets a rose and then gets to investigating what's up with all that pregnancy shit at the cocktail party. Um, mm. But first, it is time for Holly and Jimmy. Jolly? Are we calling her Jolly? Is that their <laughs> couple name? <laughs> to oh, reconnect. Like um, there is a batch couch. Jimmy says that his sister is a fantastic judge of character and she did not explicitly say stay away from holly which is true because all she said was that the long-term relationship would be doomed because they're too similar and wouldn't be able to negotiate conflict very different <laughs> yeah it's totally different but they agree to put it to bed and holly says no matter who you end up with you're an amazing guy and i hope you do find someone who makes you happy and jimmy says don't count yourself out okay which is what I wanted him to say to Laura. Yeah, I agree. This felt to me like Holly making a case for herself as a future lead of the program. Mm -hmm. Yeah. She's like, no matter what happened, like she's getting such a good guy edit here. And she's like, no matter what happens, I think you're amazing. I think you deserve the absolute world. And look, if I end up not being with you, then, you know, I'm pretty good. Too. <laughs> kind of thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. She comes out of this sparkling clean. Mm -mm. I mean, obviously, she will have to compete with April um, for for the Bachelorette title next season. Oh, true. Yeah, yeah. Um, but oh, April, would you do it? I don't know. Do you know what's funny? The the Brooke season, mm. I actually had three friends who were asked to do it, and one mm. pretty much thought she had it, and then at the last minute, it was Brooke. Oh my goodness! Wow. Um, so Good they gosh. were looking at uh, women in similar jobs to mine who were kind of already in the public eye. Um, Interesting. Yeah. Wow. Uh, we have to get a so... Bachelor of Hearts t-shirt printed up for you to wear when you are the Bachelorette. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, so now Jay and the kids thing. Yeah, basically Jay raises it in the group and Steph is the person who said it. And then Steph says, uh, hand on heart, that she didn't say it. She heard it from a third party, although the third party is not named. I don't know that mm. we need to go into it. It's pretty yuck, but what do we expect? 
it's Agreed. a it's a weird strategy on yep. her part whether or not she remembers uh this is not particularly well played uh and the edit has a field day with it cuz they play so a highlight reel with clown music um <laughs> with her saying over and over that she didn't say it to Jimmy's family she definitely didn't make it up herself um so it's a little hard to take her word for it uh in the, in that circumstance yeah she's got a bit of um salesman about her um mm. in this moment she's trying to sell she just it said it a few too many times <laughs> Me i promise she it won't back down protest the highway. too much right <laughs> that's right exactly <laughs> and now it is time for mercifully the final rose ceremony for this series of episodes and it is time <laughs> for rebecca to go home and if you're wondering who that is same yeah. Uh, yeah. I find this tough because I'm, it's probably because I'm in too deep with this thing and I'm checking their Instagrams every week and I'm making my little stupid graphs and stuff like that. But like, <laughs> Rebe- poor sweet Rebecca, you know, she she doesn't even, you know, they, they th- there's a few people who have roses. A couple of people get theirs handed to them and she's like, look, we don't have to fucking, you know, every she can. I think she can sense that everybody's tweeting. Who's that person in the background? You know, yeah. like. <laughs> It's just a yep. bummer. It feels like she could be really cool. We will never know, basically. Um, apart from the way that she really gracefully handles this exit, there's just been absolutely no room for her on the show. Right. She even gets picked last in the dodgeball date in the in the previous episode. And so what happens is that, like, yeah, yeah Jimmy's handed out a bunch of roses. And then before he gets to the end, and she's definitely going home, she realizes it. And she's like, Jimmy, can I speak with you? And it's been nine episodes. Why start now? But as you say, justice for Rebecca. Nine weeks <laughs> of her life um, uh, that she'll never get back. Nine episodes of TV for yeah. a net game, a net gain of how many followers? Yeah, let's talk about that because that's not particularly good news either. She gained oh, only no. 34 new followers this <gasps> week uh, for an overall gain of 277. This oh, is a crime. Babes. I feel no. like she has been actually robbed by the TV show <laughs> The Bachelor. <laughs> I mean, and you get minimum wage, question mark, for being there? I don't know. Uh, Unclear, yeah. Yeah. There's got to be some kind of stipend, I think. But yeah, she's obviously taking time off work to be there. That's a real She has to buy a lot of makeup and dresses and stuff. Yeah, it sucks because it's like, oh, what if she was really gunning for that influencer lifestyle? She could have gone on maths. She could have waited for another season of The Bachelor. You want to get one shot, one opportunity. This is it, right? Now she's wasted it. And she's come out covered in mum's spaghetti. (laughs) (laughs) Unlike Laura, who didn't even... Who didn't even put the flower anywhere. This is it. And unlike Mackay Pfeiffer, who... Did you know Mackay Pfeiffer was on this season? Me neither. (laughs) Sure. (laughs) I don't even know who Mackay Pfeiffer is. Is it Michelle Pfeiffer? No, no, no. It's in the... Somebody... Uh, Makai Pfeiffer. Best believe somebody paying the pie, pie... It's like the third verse of Lose Yourself. <laughs> it's like quoting the third verse of the national anthem. Nobody's <laughs> going to know what you're talking about. I know the Pied Piper bit, but yeah, I can't think what is rhymed with Pied Piper. Okay. All right. I'm going to look that up later. Oh, no, you're doing it now, Grace. Oh, I'm doing it right now. You don't have to worry. It <laughs> would have weighed on me. <laughs> okay. Um, Makai Pfeiffer... I think he was in 8 Mile. Yeah, there oh. you go. Yeah, had a starring role opposite Eminem in the 2000 feature film 8 Mile, which is why he's in the song. Um, but that song is in 8 Mile. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. So oh, when he this is Inception. When he's wrapping that piece of music in the film, does he make yeah. reference to the actor? <laughs> oh, I hope somebody lost their job over that one. Oh, <laughs> hang on. Okay. Um, this is all right. This is this is it. Okay. So, um, but I keep rhyming and step right in the next cipher. Best believe somebody's paying the Pied Piper. All the pain inside amplified by the fact that I can't get by with my nine to five and I can't provide the right type of life for my family because, man, these goddamn food stamps don't buy diapers. Interesting. Good to know. And it's no movie. There's no Mackay Pfeiffer. This is my life. And these times are so hard and it's even getting harder trying to feed and water my seed plus see dishonor plus caught up in a father and a prima donna. It goes on. Tita Tata. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I feel like that raises more he's questions, so though, because he's saying it's not a movie. There's no... So he's aware that Mackay Pfeiffer is a movie actor. Yep. But... Oh, all right. We, I, I've never seen the movie. It's a great you song. You haven't? No, you got to watch that. I haven't that. seen email. No, yeah, i got to watch it. This oh. is one of the weird zeitgeisty times where um, the, the roles are swip, the roles are flipped for us, Davey, because I've seen 8 Mile. Yeah, and you've, you've seen, seen a film that I have. Seven films in your life. Haven't seven, you? that's correct. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That eight miles. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> seven might be a little bit of an exaggeration, but that's fine. Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll tell you. Dan interviewed Drew Barrymore the other morning, and she, like, I was like half a half awake and rolled over, and Danny's been talking to Drew Barrymore for an hour, and I'm just hearing this like American voice coming out of the the fucking headphones in the next room. And I was like, that sounds so much like Drew Barrymore. What's going, what is happening here? <laughs> she walked in the next room and was like, so me and Drew Barrymore are friends now. <laughs> like, wow. 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 Okay. All yes. right. Yes. You were like, oh, who is this loud voice? I wish you were Drew Barry less. <laughs> <laughs> um, do we want to briefly touch on the numbers this week? The Instagram gains. Let's do it. We have. This is the moment we've all been waiting for. You've Everyone's gone to favorite so part. much trouble with your spreadsheet. We must. <laughs> all right. Um, the consistent Instagram front runner Holly has made the most gains again this week. Again this week. Mm-hmm. Again uh, with one thousand eight hundred and forty-seven. Damn, babe. Followed again by Jay. I'm not. I didn't check if she is followed by Jay. I imagine so. Uh, with one thousand and twenty-three. Interestingly. In third place in this week's gains was Brooke, with a huge 986 new followers in spite of her leaving the show at the very beginning of the second episode. I think there is an argument to be made that maybe many audience members may not actually follow their faves until they're eliminated. Interesting. Because they're like, I'm not going to be seeing this person anymore. I still want another dose of them from time to time. Um and, you know, with the assumption being that Brooke is gone permanently, many have sprung into action because of that this week. And a big shout out uh, to the 34 people who followed Rebecca on as a result of that. Um, yeah, God, that's why that feels so grim, mm. huh? Um, it will be interesting to see if Brooke's star continues to rise next week, especially if her leave of absence continues. Interestingly, our lead, Jimmy Nicholson, has continued to slip in the weekly Ooh. gains. This week, he is in seventh place. Wow. Behind the aforementioned top three, and also Lily, Sierra, and Steph, racking up just 644 followers this week. I speculate maybe everybody who is going to follow him has followed him at this point. 
it's mm. fair enough to imagine that might be the case. There's probably an upper limit on this thing. As it stands, the overall winners are still on top. Holly with a whopping 6,467 new followers mm-hmm. since preseason. Mm-hmm. Jay with 3,265. And Brooke with a respectable 2,904. Also want to spotlight our favorite Instagram player of the season, Belinda. Um, last week we reported she lost 20 followers. A tragic day for the social media community. Belinda has bounced back from her loss last week, gaining 32 new followers, despite not appearing on our screens. <laughs> we are seeing... <laughs> well, uh, I think our net gain's a little higher than that, but uh, we are seeing single-digit growth from a handful of eliminated players, so we congratulate Belinda on her accomplishments this week. Mm. Lastly, we are seeing some more losses this week. Madison lost two followers. Oh, no. Who was Madison? Hannah. Uh, she was eliminated in... Let me quickly check. What was she famous for? She was a blonde lady. Was she stabbed at some point? (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) She has the same hair color as someone who was. Mm. Uh, Madison, of course, is a marketing coordinator from Melbourne, Victoria. She's 24 years old. She was eliminated episode three, and she is a Gemini. Uh, (laughs) uh, What was I saying? Oh, that one. Now I'm confused. Gemini. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Hannah lost 24 followers. Hannah, you will, of course, love remember uh, from the Love Locket. She's a 26-year-old nurse from Sydney. I think she's a Leo, but more investigation needs to be made. Mm. Uh, she was on a group date on episode four. She was eliminated on episode four. And the final lowest followed, smallest gain, biggest fall this week was the host of the program, Osher Ginsberg, who continues <gasps> his gradual slide with 110 beloved followers deserting him this week. That's rude. Why? Nice. What are you doing? Lovely. He's great. Oh, look, I'm sure they're bots. I'm sure it's, you know, he's got yeah. literally 150,000 followers. Uh, this is a drop in the ocean for, for Osh, but uh, but still looks bad on the ground. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. I think he'd have more. So many more. Yeah, I don't he know. He deserves don't know. more. Yeah. Yeah, he does. Everyone follow Osha this week. Why not? Yeah, look, it's a drop in the ocean, and uh, look, we are all little swimmy Nicholsons trying to get along. (laughs) (laughs) Next week on the program, clear your schedules for another marathon double episode. Jimmy's mum, season Susan, not season. Susan 9, episode (laughs) 7. Jimmy's mom, Susan, visits the mansion to meet all the remaining women and raises the question, is Steph over her ex? Listeners, thank you so much for joining us here for another episode of the Bachelor of Hearts podcast. But uh, look, the biggest and most special shout out. April Rose Pengilly, thank you so much for being here. Listeners, please find you. her Thanks on the internet. Thanks for having me. You know where she is, at April Rose Pengilly on Instagram. You send all of the cheese boards uh, her way via the DMs. <laughs> Get at you me send with her a those cheese, cheese emojis. boards. Yeah. <laughs> uh, thank you so much for being here, April, and, and for, for sticking it out for this very, very long recording. Thanks for having me, guys. Good to hang with you again. Thank you so much. Well, Zavy. <sighs> well, Maxie. Well, <laughs> oh, Zavy. 
Ah, look. I don't know if I have the energy. <laughs> we look, we didn't make a new friend. We already had that friend, and I'm That's so, true. so glad that we do. We uh, solidified a, uh, a friendship that grows lifelong day by day. bond. I would say. Mm-hmm. Here, mm-hmm. look. Uh, the other thing is that if uh, you have made new friends uh, through this episode, you can nominate uh, to be within your five kilometer bubble. Uh, me, Max Quinn, or Xavier Vetsky Noonan. That's where you can find us uh, on on the internet at Xavier RN. I am uh, at Swimmy Nicholson. You look. Things <laughs> are um, things are going great for for both of us. No one is worried about the state of the world, and uh, no one no one's fucked anything up, have they? Oh, look, uh, I don't know exactly when this uh, episode is going out, but at least the numbers have peaked, right? This is it, you know. Uh, really important to hit the peak downloads. That's what I will say. Yes. I was talking about the coronavirus. Not me. COVID-19. Nope. But, um, yeah, hopefully the numbers of <laughs> listeners will peak as well. Uh, uh, look, folks, uh, we did come here to make friends. One very, very good place to go if you are in need or want of friends like us is the Bachelor of Hearts Watch Posting group on Facebook. Uh, you can find us there. You can find previous guests. You can find future guests. You can find people from the future. And mm. they've got jetpacks and they'll tell you which sporting events to bet on. We hope you will find us there because um, it's a good place to be. Yeah. Yeah. Look, jetpacks, uh, almanacs, or, and, and racks on racks on racks in the Bachelor <laughs> of Hearts Osh posting group. I'm just realizing that we put a call out to see if anyone had any questions for April. We did not Whoops. ask the only question that we were asked <laughs> to ask April. That question was, is April a Zave head? Oh, yeah, I, I will um, I I'll answer apologize. that for her. Oh, yeah, please. Huge. Yeah, I, I bet. I mean, look, you don't come on the BOH pod twice if you're not, if you're not in the Zave army. No, this is exactly right. Uh, so I want to shout out. Ha- shout out. Shout out. Hout. Hout. Following that, I'd like to shout out to the Zave heads, including April for uh, their loyal support. Uh, I love you dearly. Mm. Um, I hope you continue growing in strength and numbers. Mm. And uh, as I say every week, get vaccinated (laughs) against the novel coronavirus. Listeners. And you can vaccinate yourself against missing any episodes of the Bachelor of Hearts podcast by subscribing on iTunes. Hit that five-star review. Max looks so exhausted. Let's just finish it up, shall we? Exhausted I love you, Max. And listeners, drunk. we love you. Goodbye. Goodbye. Another perfect episode. Oh, I can't believe it. Incredible.